following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, the Cannonball, Alex Steele. Alex. What's up, everybody? <laughs> yep. Welcome back to the show, Alex. Boots not joining us today. The bootleg better. He couldn't join us. Um, but I do have, I have the uh, the Cannonball here, the the King, the Cannonball in the house. Oh, come on, you're too kind. <laughs> yep. So yeah, we got a two-man show today and a ton of news to uh, to dive into. Yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff going on around the league. Lots going on around the league. Uh, the the news was, I mean, like last week, and uh, we we had uh, you know sort of a, a a light week as far as you know. We, it was very shallow, you know. But it was the it was the calm before the storm. And folks, <laughs> in case you missed it, uh, we had football on Thursday. What? Yeah, yeah, football it happened. I mean, it it it's like it it's right around the corner. We are now in August. We're a little over a month away, and uh, everything is business is starting to pick up. Teams making their last minute adjustments to get their rosters in order. I got to tell you, Alex, this has been actually probably one of the more entertaining points in the off season. Um, we don't get this very often. All these things that are going on. I mean, I, outside, you know, you get injuries that go on at training camp, things like that. But the amount of signings and extensions, things like that, that are going on, um, very interesting situations happening. And we still have some free agents running around that are, uh, you know, that they're looking to get signed to those big time, big time contracts. Uh, so that that's going to be uh, a big thing right now. We have guys requesting trades from their team. I mean, that yep. it, it's just it's gotten wild. Um, speaking of those running backs right now that are uh, looking to get those those big contracts, we'll start out with the big one: free agent running back Dalvin Cook. Yep, that the odds are pretty high that'll be signing with the New York Jets. I you know, I don't think this is a bad fit for Dalvin Cook at all. I, think I, I don't. I don't think so either. Um, a lot of people have have questions about whether or not it's going to be a good fit because of the offensive line over there uh, with the Jets being. A lot of people really think their offensive line is questionable. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what I see is a situation where you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, uh, arguably going up. If you have him with a guy like Dalvin Cook, seeing how Aaron Rodgers played in Green Bay with Aaron Jones and the way he threw the ball out of the backfield uh, to running backs consistently. And and we've seen how explosive Dalvin Cook can be when he gets the ball in his hands in a passing situation. Uh, We got to see that in that that greatest comeback uh, uh, ever situation (laughs) against the Colts last year. Uh, Cook was the the big reason that the Vikings got that tied up, and it was a pass from Kirk Cousins. Uh, Dalvin catching out of the backfield. So, I mean, this could be a really positive situation for Aaron Rodgers, I think. What say you, Alex? 
You know, uh, d- I definitely agree that it it would be a huge boon for the New York Jets to pick up a, a, a running back the caliber of Dalvin Cook. The concern that I have is Brees Hall is coming back from an ACL tear. Yeah. And if, if Dalvin Cook ends up taking the RB1 spot, where does that leave Brees Hall? Because he was having a really good time, a really rocking year with the Jets until until that injury occurred. Um, and then... So and now that it's like okay, now I'm staring down the barrel of possible of a possible running back competition. Does Brees Hall turn into a change of pace back? You know, do you have you did did we see or do you feel at any point that Brees Hall was a bell cow back or could have the potential to be a bell cow back or was he always destined to be a change of pace back? Brees Hall was most definitely heading toward bell cow back situation. I, I really thought that that he the Jets had found their guy before he tore his ACL. He had this this uh, two to three game tear that was just outrageous, and then he went down, and it was just like, well, that happened. So uh, much for that. <laughs> yeah, and and I really I want to see if it you know health is obviously a factor for Dalvin. Um, obviously health would be a factor for Brees Hall right now because, because of he'd be coming back from the ACL tear. One big thing for the Jets right now is they don't know if Brees Hall is going to be available for week one. Uh, and, and they don't know if he's going to be available. I mean, for the first quarter of the season, I mean, mm. health wise, they're not sure. So, I mean, I understand right. trying to get their, their safety net there in place. And I know they still, if I'm not mistaken, I think they still have Michael Carter on the, on the, uh, roster there. But it's it's one of those things right now where I see uh, Dalvin Cook, if he takes over the starting role week one, right? Yep. I mean, I, I could see them purposefully resting Brees Hall. And it would, you know, it's almost a good problem to have having Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall on the roster. Kind of a really solid A, one-two punch, first of all. But mm-hmm. are you also running back 1A, 1B. And if one of them goes down, at least you have the other one hanging around. You know, it's it's to get through the season. You, you never know with Dalvin. Uh, he has one season, which was last season, where he's performed all 17 games. That mm-hmm. was first year, and I believe he got hurt in one of those games, too. So, I mean, it's we have questions here. There's a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook's a great fit, given the, what the Jets have. And given the fact that Aaron Rodgers loves to throw to running backs out of the backfield, uh, but we're going to have to wait and see. I, if, if Dalvin gets signed to a deal, do you think he gets signed to uh, a big time deal, or do you think that this is going to wind up being like a very team friendly deal, given how the running back market has been looking, and really given how long we've been waiting for Dalvin to get signed? I, I mean, is he does he get desperate? Does he take five million? What are we looking at here, Alex? This sounds like a prove it deal. If this sounds like, okay, if Dalvin Cook has a career year, if he, you know, like really tears it up this year and like follows up on his year long performance with Minnesota last year and really just, you know, tears it up in the field, you know, gets a bunch of touchdowns, racks up the yards. If he proves to the organization that he is a key asset, not just, uh, you know, a cog in the machine, but a key asset. Then you can see him getting the bigger the bigger money. I mean, yes, the running back market is definitely in shambles right now. You know, could Dalvin Cook be uh, the harbinger or uh, the catalyst for change? You know, he could. You know, his play could do that, and Aaron Rodgers can definitely help with that. 
you know, it's a good point that you made with, you know, the, 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 the one, two punch, you know, that's very intriguing, uh, especially since Zeke and uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard were that one, two punch for the longest time in Dallas. Right. So, you know, I'm not, I don't know if we're going to see anything quite like that in, in, in New Jersey, in the New Jersey and East Rutherford, but uh, you know, hopes are definitely high. Yeah, definitely. I, I look at uh, this Dalvin Cook situation. Like you said, I think it's a prove-it deal. Uh, but it, one thing I will point out is he's picking a hell of a time to go out and get signed to a contract. We're, we're very late in the offseason. I mean, we're, yeah. you know, I know training camps kicked off a couple weeks ago, and that's fine. But when we're talking about we're, we're a month away. We're a month yep. away from football, and we haven't heard diddly shit from Dalvin Cook as far as, like, how much he's working out, you know, we don't know, if, you know, if he's in football shape yet. We, we don't know. We know nothing. Right. And that's going to be the question of the day. Is Dalvin Cook ready? Um, we're going to find out. I mean, that's that at the end of the Eventually. day. Um, I also, uh, uh, another free agent running back, Ezekiel Elliott, also visiting a same t- a team in the same division there. He's visiting with the Patriots. Uh, Zeke is a guy that we've talked to, to or talked about ad nauseum. We, we have talked about Ezekiel Elliott, the free agent running back. Um, man, I'll tell you what, I, I think this would actually be a decent fit because they do need kind of a bruiser back. Um, you know, they do have Ramadre Stevenson over there though. And, and I think, uh, Ramadre Stevenson is an outstanding running back that people are sort Sleeping of on. Yeah, they're they're underselling him a little bit. Ramadre had himself a really good year. Uh, he had himself a really strong showing in the absence of Damian Harris last year with the Patriots. I, I really like the idea of Ramadre Stevenson being on RB one here. I don't know that Zeke is necessarily uh, uh, a necessity for the Patriots, but right. if you do get Zeke Elliott, he's going to get you those tough yards. He's going to get mm-hmm. you the those goal line yards, he's going to wind up being, you know, the, the bruiser type back, uh, that you want. Zeke has never been elusive. He has never mm-hmm. been, he's, he's that, um, as, as boots would call it the prototypical back that, like yes. that Melvin Gordon type, that big body, kind of Melvin Gorman, Nick Chubb, you know, guys like that, even, and Derek Henry, even we can put, we could certainly lump him in there with that, with that sure. category. Sure. And, and, you know, we know Zeke uh, for a minute there, we, we had talked about Zeke to possibly go into the Jets, given the fact that Brees Hall, you know, we didn't know it was going to happen with Brees Hall. Now it's looking like the Jets are going to swing over with the Dalvin Cook deal. And, and, you know, if you, if you look at Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he would have been a decent fit with the Jets as well. Now he gets to go over. If, if the Patriots do pick him up, we'll find out nothing is a set in stone yet, but Zeke Elliott going to the Patriots, wouldn't be a bad thing, in my opinion. I, I really think they could use a guy that, that can just plow into the line and take on contact. I think that would be a, a really uh, good choice, to be honest with you, for the Patriots. Um, there's a few others out there. And, and Bill, Bill Belichick, he loves those type of running backs. You remember LeGarrette Blunt, for example, is a, a huge example for him. And they won a Super Bowl with LeGarrette Blunt, who had himself a very, very good year. Um, in that Super Bowl year. So, gotta love it. I, I like to see what's happening here. So, uh, uh, Zeke Elliott, he's he's over here getting looked at by the Patriots. And we were on the Jets a second ago. I want to talk about the Jets. There's a lot going on in Jetland here. Oh, yeah. There really is. 
Um, first of all, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna correct my uh, myself from two weeks ago. I was under the understanding and belief that Aaron Rodgers took a restructure, um, and and I had said it on the show. I completely misunderstood the situation. It wasn't just a restructure, Alex. The man took a freaking huge pay cut in order to get additional pieces on that team, a.k.a. Dalvin Cook. Uh, when they interviewed Aaron Rodgers about the fact that he took a pay cut, he said, and I quote, it was the right thing to do. Now, look, here's one thing I want to I wanna say about, about this situation and Aaron Rodgers saying this is the, the right thing to do and whatnot. I feel like almost it's like a jab at the Packers because mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, think about what he did. The man took a, a the most lucrative contract on a yearly basis for a quarterback yep. and with the Green Bay Packers. Doesn't take a pay cut, says to hell with you. He was pissed at the organization. Goes to the Jets, takes a massive pay cut. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I, when I read that line, when you sent over those news and notes, and I read that line, the first thought that went through my head was, "Is a total PR stunt. This is a this is Aaron Rodgers totally trying to save face and trying to look like you know the innocent, you know, the good old boy." But, you know, we, the both of us know just what an insufferable human being that. That we we have we definitely have our opinions about what an insufferable human being Aaron Rodgers is, and I can when you were explaining it to me here, where it's just just this big middle finger to the Packers, you know, I wonder was I, I mean are we seeing like shades of Brett Favre or is this worse? I think this, this is worse. This is worse. I mean, like it, it's definitely shades of Brett Favre. Here's the thing about this situation: the 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 Green Bay Packers have always always done their players dirty whether people want to admit it or not whether people want to look at it or not if you recall you know back when they had Brett Favre Brett Favre was getting ready to to retire and go home and they said oh Brett come back come on back to the team we're going to go after one more Super Bowl and when they brought Brett Favre back and I've talked about this on this show ad nauseum they brought back uh, Brett Favre and when they bring him back what do they do they traded him to the Jets. The only reason that the Packers invited him back at all was to use him as trade bait. And so oh they sent God. him over to the Jets just to get what they could for him. And then after they send him over to the Jets and he plays for the Jets for a year or two, and he has two really good years over there with the Jets, by the way. He had himself a really solid time. But it's one of those things where I, I just go, they used him as trade bait. And then if you look at and and they were an asshole to him. And I'm glad that he he came to the Vikings and you know beat the brakes off him for that one season. I mean, that was one of the most wonderful things in the world because that's what needed to happen. And it was it was the ultimate middle finger for Brett Favre there. But looking at the Aaron Rodgers situation, okay, he gets traded to the Jets and and he wanted the trade. But look at all of the hell that Green Bay put him through. For years, um, Brian Gutenkunst was an idiot the whole time. Uh, they they dicked him around on on receivers, right? They they never gave him any any special caliber receivers until Christian Watson, who 
we don't even know how he's going to turn out. Uh, Watson barely got targeted for half the season because he was he was dropping passes. Uh, I, I mean, they, they they draft Jordan Love behind him. They dra- they drafted I think it was two or three quarterbacks behind him in this situation. I mean, and that was another thing he he said in his interview is they asked him about about uh, helping the younger talent. He said, "Yeah, I'm I'm here to help the younger guys of the New York Jets." He didn't want to help Jordan Love. Nope. <laughs> he didn't want to help any of those other guys that came in? He was pissed, and rightfully so. I I feel like 110 percent. Like a lot of his actions, he's doing everything for the Jets that he wasn't willing to do for the Green Bay Packers because the Green Bay Packers were not willing to do for him. And and that's a, a huge thing to me. I think, uh, uh, you know, I actually strongly support Aaron Rodgers in this situation, believe it or not, because I realized that the Green Bay organization, the Packers organization, they are a bunch of cutthroat assholes at that organization. Mm-hmm. And and they're the only team in the league – and and. I, I always looked at the Packers like they're a really shady organization, not just because I'm a Vikings fan, but because of the way they conduct business. And and everybody thinks that they're this upstanding uh, 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 organization, and they're not. They're just not. I mean, yeah. look, look at the, the – in order to raise money, they're sending pieces of paper to people, you know, for $100 saying that they're owner part owners of the team. And, you know, it's like all this other ridiculous bullshit. Oh, you're a part owner of the Green Bay Packers. What? Okay. Well, let me make a roster move. No? Okay. Then I'm not really an owner of the Green Bay Packers now, am I? You know, it's it's that type of shady stuff that makes me go, mm, Yeah. You, uh, you hit the nail on the head with the Packers organization. I mean, there's a reason. You know, we're NF- we are NFC North fans. We absolutely hate the Packers. We have friends that are fans of the Green Bay Packers for whatever reason, so, you know, but, but you know, you, you, I mean, I, yes, I am getting my bag of rock salt because, you know, you're supporting Aaron Rodgers, but at the same time, I see why, right? you know, I see, I understand why. And, you know, when you explain it the way that you uh, say it, uh, I, you know, I, I think that uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, like Aaron Rodgers, was his offseason antics, was it for the last two seasons? I mean, has he been a clown show? Oh, yeah. He's been. Absolutely. When when he got picked off by Kirby Joseph in week 18 last year and we found out that was the very last offensive pass you would ever do, ever perform as a Green Bay Packer. You know, and he and he's walking off into the tunnel, all sad face. That was one of the greatest moments of my life. But so yeah, we we bag on Aaron Rodgers on this show constantly. But given the situation that the Packers organization is a group is a group of shysters, you know, and and you know, right on par with Jerry Jones, which you know, at least Jerry Jones somewhat cares about his players. I don't think the Packers organization does based on what you've said. Yeah, yeah, the the Packers they don't they don't give two shits. And and I don't know. I just I I support Aaron Rodgers like like I said, I don't I don't support his offseason a- antics with his Ayahuasca right. retreats and his his 3-day or 5-day darkness retreats and all this other 
crazy bullshit that he's doing. Like, I don't support any of it. Like, I mean, right. it, and I, there's nothing illegal about ayahuasca or whatever, the, uh, however you pronounce it. But I, yep. and I, I hope he's having himself just a hell of a good time with it. Okay. But, uh, you know, to, to Aaron Rodgers' antics over the course of the last two seasons have been childish and fucking ridiculous. But going over to the Jets and doing what he's doing and taking those subtle jabs at the Packers and, and doing all these things for the Jets that he would never do for the Packers because the Packers did him dirty for so long, I understand it. I understand it. There, there are little things. And some people aren't, aren't recognizing that. No, no. For someone like me, who who can get very, very spiteful in certain situations, I am very much understanding of exactly what Aaron Rodgers is doing. And I very much realize uh, the things that he is uh, 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 trying to do to piss off the Green Bay Packers organization. And I don't blame him one bit because Green Bay did him dirty for so long. And, and people just don't seem to realize it. And whenever he would get on his – get shitty and get angry because they didn't get him a receiver in the first round or they didn't get him this or that player, and instead of drafting a receiver in the first round, they went and picked up his his predecessor in the first round – or his, his uh, uh, not his predecessor, but the, the guy behind him in the first round. I'd be mad too. I'd be fucking pissed. I, I mean, I get it. I, I understand it. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers – and there's more stuff going on with Aaron Rodgers as well, by the way. Um, one thing, and, and we'll, we'll say this uh, definitively, I think, I think uh, you and I, can we know this for sure. One thing you don't want to do on the field is piss off Aaron Rodgers. No. One thing you don't want to do. You do not want to make him so pissed off to the point where he is going to embarrass you in a prime time game situation. I think I know where you're going with this. Um, so we'll start here. Uh, Broncos head coach, Sean Payton, he goes out and he slams the Jets offensive coordinator and the former head coach of the Broncos last year, Nathaniel Hackett, for his poor head coaching job from the 2022 season. He says it was in, I quote, one of the worst head coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. Now, we'll start here. Is he wrong? No, no, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see where he's wrong at all. Uh, the, the Broncos were an absolute dumpster fire last year. They took one of, you know, a prolific quarterback in Russell Wilson. And we bagged on Russ Wilson all season last year for his absolutely atrocious play. His players on the sidelines didn't trust him. And, you know, it starts at the top and Nathaniel Hackett was very rightfully given the sack at the end of the year. Yeah, after a four and twelve season, or or how it was just it was ugly. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, I mean, look, he was a great offensive coordinator with the Packers. Um, a lot of people are are bagging on him for the the Hall of Fame game recently, where he, he you know that that Hall of Fame game that happened on Thursday, where you know his his offense only put up sixteen points. <laughs> people are like, oh, what else is new? Nathaniel Hackett offense only putting up sixteen points. Uh, since then, you know, Nathaniel Hackett hired on as the offensive coordinator for the Jets. Uh, there's a lot of familiarity there between him and Aaron Rodgers. They know each other. They understand each other's system uh, because they were both over in Green Bay together. They won Super Bowls together. Hackett's been in the league for a long time. And I was a little surprised that that he didn't work out in, in, with Denver as the head coach. Uh, 
But some guys, and, and we've said this, we said it last show, and we'll say it now, some guys are just better coordinators, right? Right. And I think that's kind of where we're at with Nathaniel Hackett. I think Nathaniel Hackett is a good coordinator, and and I think that, that he just he failed in the head coaching position, and we see it all the time. We've seen guys that are, uh, um, you know, North Turner is a great example. They're, they, they're a great coordinator, but just not a good head coach. North Turner was terrible as a head coach for the New York Jet or for the, uh, um, I, I'm sorry, the uh, San Diego the Chargers. For the San Diego Chargers. But when he came over to the Minnesota Vikings as an offensive coordinator, very good offensive coordinator. You know, so, I mean, they're – it happens like that every now and then. And and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, some guys are just better coordinators. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know Eric Bieniemy. If Eric Bieniemy ever becomes a head coach, he mm-hmm. might fail as a head coach. But Eric Bieniemy has proven that he's a very good offensive coordinator. So we see this type of thing all the time. Wade Phillips is another great example. Wade Phillips, terrible head coach for the Dallas Cowboys, excellent defensive coordinator. So we're going to find out what, what Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer, he, he, horrible head coach, excellent defensive coordinator, excellent defensive mind. And, and even then, as, an off, as a head coach, he had some pretty successful years there in Minnesota with those top-ranked defenses that he was putting together as head coach. So I think Hackett's of the same mold. I just think he's a better offensive coordinator. Now, with Sean Payton saying what he said, Aaron Rodgers then proceeds to unload on Sean Payton in an interview after the fact, saying of Payton, I thought it was a way out, I thought it was way out of line, it was inappropriate, and I think he needs to keep my coach's name out of his mouth. Um, Sean mm-hmm. Payton has since uh, claimed he was going to apologize to Nathaniel Hackett. Rumor is that he never did. We'll, we're, we don't know that. Um, when Peyton was asked about this Aaron Rodgers situation, when Aaron Rodgers said that, that you know, uh, he needs to uh, uh, keep my coach's name out of his mouth, Peyton said, oh, it was nothing. It was water under the bridge. Uh, you know, to me, it's not. I think you've got a no. piss up Aaron Rodgers. And just so you know, just a reminder, folks, if you don't know, the Jets versus the Broncos does take place week five, October 8th. Aaron Rodgers is going to be pissed. And I think Sean Payton may be in for a rude awakening. First of all, for Sean Payton, I hate Sean Payton. I've made yep. no bones about it on this show. I hate Sean Payton and his butthole-looking mouth. I there you go, bingo card. Yeah, bingo <laughs> card right there. I hate Sean Payton. I think he's one of the most arrogant head coaches in the history of football. Um, and, and he irritates the hell out of me. So <clears throat> I would love to see Sean Payton just get slapped around by Aaron Rodgers. but. Alex, yeah, especially, especially since the game takes place in Denver. Right. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to have a chip on his shoulder come week five. Yeah. Uh, Alex, are you are you in the same boat as me? You want to see. Uh, uh, um, you want to see, you see <laughs> them up or do, would you rather see Aaron Rodgers flounder? Oh, boy, you're kind of you're kind of asking whether it's a tough question when you really sit there and think about it. On the one hand, you know, we always, you know, you know, smile widely when, you know, Aaron Rodgers falls flat on his face. But then again, this is when he was with the Green Bay Packers and we all hate the Green Bay Packers. Right. It's a different situation. Uh, And, you know, it's like we've always you and I have 
you know, you've always had negative opinions about uh, Sean Payton. You know, he was he was all he was a major part of the defense gate uh, scandal. Uh, you know, and just besides, you know, he had, the, <laughs> you know, and you had he's had his distinguishable facial features, like you like you mentioned. You know, it, it's this is you know. <laughs> there are people out there that say, "Oh, football's a work," you know. But you know, if you're gonna, if you, if you know what, it's an interesting storyline to say the least. I, I will definitely give credit where credit is due. Um, but uh, it'll definitely, it'll definitely be an interesting game. Definitely earmark. I do want to see Aaron Rodgers. You know, kind of like, <laughs> you know, have him have him run a touchdown in and have him do the whole you know, discount double check deal <laughs> run by Sean Payton to do the discount double check after a big old, after a big touchdown pass. We kind of like, kind of like how uh, Baker Mayfield stared down his former head coach uh, after he got, you know, after he went to the Bengals, Hugh Jackson. So I don't think it's a similar situation. Right. So at, at the end of the day, Let's have let's see what Aaron Rodgers can do and see if he can put Sean Payton away. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to see it actually because you know I actually really enjoy uh, um, I, I this version of Aaron Rodgers has actually you know it, it almost seems like he's far more down to earth currently because he's happier and mm. and you're, you're not seeing I, I you're you're seeing spiteful antics but you're seeing spiteful antics and it's almost like. Um, He's like being righteously spiteful. You know what I'm yes. saying? And I, I think yes. that's the best way to put it. So, I mean, I get ready for it. Get ready for it because uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be uh, doing a number on the Broncos. Uh, speaking of the Broncos, they have some other stuff going on uh, over there in Denver uh, quite a bit. Uh, Broncos head coach Sean Payton also said that running back Javante Williams will play in the preseason. He's been out with a torn ACL since last year. Javante Williams set for the preseason. Uh, you know, I, I want to see him in the preseason because we need to see how Javante Williams is doing. Uh, and, and it's good for uh, the Broncos because they, they need to figure out how their star running back is. But it's also good for fantasy owners, too, because everybody wants to see if he's back up to being healthy. Javante Williams, it, I thought he was in line for a huge year last year, and he was on the move getting ready to have a good year and then disaster struck. Do you think Javante Williams is going to be fully recovered? Do you think he's going to be ready for this year? Do you think Javante Williams is going to be the guy that we expected him to be last season? Do you think he's going to return in a big way? Time will tell, you know, I, I, I gotta see, I gotta see him in the preseason. Gotta see how the leg goes, how everything works, but you know, I, I'm holding out hope. You know, I, I'm cert, I'm certainly, uh, I, I think it's a good idea to, uh, you know, I, I think, I think it's a good thing to, you know, have that kind of faith in him, I guess, for lack of, lack of better explanation. I think he does. I think, you know, I, I certainly hope he does because, because yeah. Denver needs a guy. Yeah. And, I, in the preseason, it's just going to be a really good way for him to warm up and, and get situated. And and it's going to be a really positive thing. I I, I think that um, uh, you know Javante he uh, he's 
I expected a lot more than what we got last year because of, and, and obviously, you know, injuries happen all the time. We, we don't know when disaster like that is going to strike. Uh, but at the end of the day, I expected a lot more out of Javante Williams. And, and I feel like, like everybody did. I felt like everybody expected Javante Williams to blow up in such a way, like, like he was like Terrell Davis or something, you know, everybody, <laughs> but, you know, after he sat and, and did this, this carry share with Melvin Gordon and he did the, the, you know, uh, uh, eventually he wound up stealing the starting job for Melvin Gordon. I think everybody expected him to have this breakout year that just didn't come. And I, I expect Javante um, to have himself a huge year. You know, I, I really do. I, I think if he looks good in the preseason, if he looks good enough in the preseason, he's ready to rock. I expect Javante to have a huge year. I expect Absolutely. I, I saw last year. A lot of people, you know, one injury and everybody's like, I don't know if he's ever going to be the same again. And ACLs are an interesting thing. I think he's going to be just fine. And, well, and well, uh, we'll, tell, we'll tell you who's not just fine. Uh, the Bron- Broncos wide receiver, Tim Patrick, suffers yeah. a torn Achilles tendon. He is out for the season. Yeah, Tim Patrick, um, you know, uh, He's a number three receiver technically, but we've seen Tim Patrick be successful in different roles. Uh, um, you know, I, Tim Patrick, you know, like we, if you recall a couple of years ago, Cortland Sutton went down and then, and then we also had Jerry Judy go down. And then next thing you know, Tim Patrick is, uh, um, you know, he basically stepped into that number one role and he was really successful for about seven, eight weeks. And the only reason I remember how successful he was, was because of the fact that, that, you know, I had him in fantasy. You and nobody knew who in the hell Tim Patrick was. Everybody's like, who the hell is this Tim Patrick guy? And then what was funny is because he had such a successful run for like eight weeks, everybody thought he was going to be the number one receiver in Denver, you know, um, and he didn't turn out to be that, you know, uh, he, he he was just meh, okay, yeah. you know, flash in the pan. Yeah, and and he he wound up being stuck as the number three receiver, and and uh, yeah, it just um, it, it was it was just kind of eh, you know, I, I he just didn't turn out the way that everybody expected him to, uh, and and now here we are, Tim Patrick goes out and tears his ACL, and and he's gone, or I I just eh. Tim Patrick, uh, uh, I think he's just – I don't think it's going to affect Denver as much. I don't think it's going to create such a situation where, uh, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna struggle so bad without him. And, uh, you know, I, I really do think that Tim Patrick is, is – he's replaceable at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do. I think he's very much replaceable. And I do think they're going to wind up finding themselves a new number three receiver at some point. Uh, and if Denver's smart. They do have the cap space, by the way. If they're smart, they're going out on the market and they're looking right now because the, the agent market is still littered with with good receivers. Uh, and and I, I'm going to I'm looking some of them up right now. Um, yeah. You know, it, I, I think uh, this this could be very smart on the end of the, the Denver Broncos if they go out and start looking for a new number three with all the cap space they have. Looking at the receiver market right now, just just seeing who's available, right? Right. Let's see. Let, just 
follow me here. Kenny Galladay's available. Julio mm. Jones is available. Jarvis Landry's available, who I think would be an excellent fit. Nikhil Harry is available. Sammy Watkins. I mean, like, Sammy Watkins. It, it would be a tremendous boon. Yeah. So, I mean, T.Y. Hilton is still available. So, there are plenty of receivers out there that, I mean, uh, Quintez Cephas, who just got released by Detroit, is available. Uh, understanding Cephas is sitting there w- with a six game suspension. But I really do think there are certain players that they should be looking at and considering. And, and I mean, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry. Hey, there you go. I'd be looking at it. And you could probably get those guys for about maybe 10 mil. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they have the cap space. So if you really want, if you're really desperate to fill the role of Tim Patrick, I think that a lot of the guys here are upgrades. Right? Hey, any, any, is anybody from the Denver front office listening to this right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they had their experts sitting there just like looking at the list. But I mean, Mm-hmm. Am I seeing something here, Alex? I mean, no, I, I think I think you are seeing something, especially with Julio Jones. Absolutely, you know, I th- I think that I think that would be a tremendous addition uh, to the team. Yeah, uh, I think Julio, so. Julio Jones was a number three in Tampa, and he was mm-hmm. a huge success. I yeah. could imagine Julio Jones, and and this as much as I hate Sean Payton, and I think he's an arrogant dick. Sean Payton's mm-hmm. still a good head coach. Yes. So, if you wind up sticking Julio Jones in a Sean Payton system and who's trying to sort of revamp Russell Wilson and kind of make him, you know, the star he was all these last couple of years, Julio mm-hmm. Jones hey. number three is a good problem to have, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, especially if, if the number one goes down or if there's injuries, you know, you, ha- you have a reliable player that's available. Yeah. Huh? What do we keep saying on this show? Availability and reliability. Yep, that's All another bingo card. <laughs> yep, and, and Julio Jones does have a, a history of injuries. So does Jarvis Landry, but Jarvis Landry's still a great receiver as well. I mean, going with Jarvis Landry would not be a bad thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, either one is a good fit here, and I, I think it's a really positive situation for Sean Payton um, if he does decide to uh, – uh, you know, go after a, a new number three receiver who really has number two capabilities. I think it's extremely smart. And and if he's in the if if he's in the uh, uh, market to revamp a receiver, Kenny Galladay should also be on his list as well. If you're mm-hmm. talking about the idea of revamping a receiver, so I mean, it is what it is. I I I I, I do I think it's it's necessary because it's just Tim Patrick. Eh, okay, we'll see. But plenty of opportunity here. Plenty of Absolutely. opportunity here uh, for, for Sean Payton and company. And Jarvis Landry used to be a saint as well. So, I mean, he, he kind of understands uh, that Sean Payton system uh, over there in, in uh, Denver. Also, speaking of the Saints, we got a lot going on in Saintland, too, here. Uh, interesting stuff going on with them. Uh, first of all, let's, let's talk about uh, the elephant in the room. You have to talk about it. Alvin Kamara, he gets uh, suspended for three games. We talked about on the last show that we weren't sure if he was going to wind up getting uh, a full-on suspension, um, you know, for six games or for the season or however long. Uh, we, we didn't know what the charges were going to wind up looking like. He did take the lesser uh, uh, 
the misdemeanor charge, the the misdemeanor assault there. You know, the, this Las Vegas incident that took place where him and his buddies were basically just beating the hell out of a guy for trying to get on an elevator with him. Um, he gets three games from the league. And I think a lot of that has to do with Alvin Kamara's stardom. You know, mm. I think that has to do with the fact that Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, he did take the lesser charge. So he still got charged. He's, but he only got popped for a misdemeanor as opposed to a felony. It's a very, it's a bad look for him. It's a bad look for the Saints and it's a bad look for the league. And I think the league understands mm-hmm. that and they're going to remind him, hey, look, don't do this shit. But then at the same time, I think the league is also going, A, you took a lesser charge. So it's only a misdemeanor. It's not a felony. B, you're not doing any jail time. And C, uh, you know, it, it's it doesn't look as bad on paper. You know? <laughs> and, right. You know, I, I think yeah. that, and also D, Alvin Kamara is a superstar in this league. So hmm. I think they're just kind of letting him slide. And especially that superstar part, they're letting him slide a little more. Now, if this was any other bum ass running back out there. You'd probably be seeing an eight to 12 games or, or maybe even a full season suspension. I mean, re- remember Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt got in trouble for, for you know, uh, beating up a hooker who was trying to hit him and then all this other stuff. I mean, uh, like, or a stripper or whatever the hell she was. He, Kareem Hunt got, got full on released from his team and everything else after leading the league in rushing, you know? So, yeah. So, yeah. So there you go. I mean, so it's, it, name value seems to have a, a lot of pull in the league, which a lot of people, you know, will look at that and tut-tut it or you just call outright bullshit. Right. Which, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, the NFL should just been should just set the example. You know, listen, we don't care how popular you are. You know, we don't care how much money you rake in. At the end of the day, you know, this is, this is a league uh, that we hold to the highest standard and – that behavior will absolutely not be tolerated, but yeah, you know, like the, the league has this, I, I don't understand this and I don't like it. They've got this whole thing where they're, they're doing this, uh, um, you know, commissioner's discretion shit, <laughs> you know, I, and, and, oh, the commissioner gets to decide, you know, when the suspension happens and the commissioner gets to decide, you know, how long it's going to be and da, 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 da. And <laughs> I'm like, um, that, that, uh, that just kind of <laughs> like bullshit. Like, I feel like they should have like a flat thing for that. Oh, you yep. fucked up real bad. Oh, yeah. Sorry, buddy. You're sorry, bud, but you're sure out of luck. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think it, I think it would definitely paint the league in a much better light. Yeah. People would respect the league a lot more. People wouldn't dump on commissioner Goodell as much. You know, but, you know, the sad reality is this is a money driven business. It's business. And I think this is also a business transaction. You know, people, you know, Alvin Kamara is going to be only suspended for three games. Now he's going to be on the field. You know, teams, the team could certainly use him to an offensive advantage, plus sell a couple of extra jerseys at the pro shop. So, you know, they got that. That's, you know, it at the end of the day, you know, you and I know well and good that this is a business 
you know, and, 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 and the old saying goes, money talks, bullshit walks. Yeah, that's it. And uh, speaking of money talking, uh, Saints getting also an extension done uh, over this last couple of weeks here. Um, defensive end Cam Jordan, they signed him to a two-year, $27.5 million extension, $13.75 million per year. You know, on one end, um, you know, I, I – I kind of like this signing, and I kind of don't. I think Cam Jordan's a really good defensive end. Uh, I, I really do. Um, and I thought they, I, uh, to be honest with you, thirteen seven five per year uh, is actually a pretty reasonable deal for one of the better defensive ends in this league, especially with what defensive ends and edge rushers are getting paid, the prominent uh, uh, quarterback rushers. I, I, um, you know, it's not a horrible deal. I would probably have given Cam maybe a little less. To be honest with you, I probably would have been shooting for like the 11 range. But what's $2 million? At that point, you, you know, you're splitting hairs, you know, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. You know, it's it's yeah. just, eh, okay. You know, I, I like the uh, the signing, though. I think it's smart that they extend him, uh, especially with how, how big of a key cog he is in that defense. We do remember their former defensive coordinator is now their head coach. So, I mean, it, it really just kind of fits what they're doing there in New Orleans. I think this is a really smart play by them to keep uh, Cam Jordan around, don't you? Yep, absolutely. You know, um, if, especially if he's a solid player, you know, yeah. is able is able to, you know, provide plays where necessary. You know, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a bad idea to uh, have that extension at all. Good move by the Saints. Yeah, I think uh, it was it was a really just a, a brilliant move. And we also had some other extensions around the league going on, uh, starting with the Bengals. And this one I really liked. Linebacker Logan Wilson, four years, thirty seven point two five million. He gets nine point three per year. You know, you don't see linebackers. I mean, unless they're outside linebackers that are like speed rushers, edge rushers, things like that. You don't necessarily see those kinds of guys getting signed to really stupid large deals this one is not stupid large i think it's very fair for logan wilson uh he's had a very good run with uh, um uh, a very good run with the the bengals here he's been doing very very good for them i'm 100 percent on board with it i like it a lot um you know i i uh i i think this is just a very fair offer to be honest with you i think it's very fair and uh, I, I think this is exactly what he deserved. Absolutely. You know, uh, again, another key component in, in that Bengals defense, um, you know, every every part matters. And, you know, for the performance that the man has, has given, you know, it, it's, a, it's a nice, even, you know, it's an even offer. Plus, you know, it, it, it's, it's a longevity. So as long as he can stay healthy again, you know, that that's, the, we keep saying that ad nauseum on this show, as long as he can stay healthy, yep. you know, uh, he has, he'll, he'll have an opportunity to make an even bigger impact on the team. Yeah. The Bengals defense has always been, has actually been really rock solid the last few mm-hmm. years. Thought something interesting about the, the Bengals uh, defense that I always found interesting was the fact that they, they kind of had a who's who at the corner position uh, as far as like these almost like, like, what for for years we called like iffy corners, you know, mm-hmm. like like guys like and, and we'll be talking about one shortly here. Guys like Eli Apple, 
you know, we, we did and, and these, these guys that, that their original teams kind of sent away and cast away. And then these guys came over there and they, they didn't have great years, but for whatever reason, they were like key components to that Bengals defense. And, and yeah, it's, it's kind of like the Island of misfit corners. Yeah, it is. It was really weird. And, and, you know, Logan Wilson's one of those guys where like people don't think about him a whole lot, but he is a key part of that Bengals defense. He's a very good linebacker. Um, he's been good for them. I mean, from the rip, he's been good for them. I I really like this re-signing. I thought it was really fair. Nine point three is a really good number for him. Um, does he deserve fifteen or anything like that? Nah, probably not. Nine point three is about where he is. I think he's a very above average linebacker. And and I think that's kind of where he's very much an above average linebacker, but he's one of those key parts. He's got a lot of tread left on the tires. I, I love this signing. Smart move by the Bengals here. Uh, the Bengals also have some some stuff going on, by the way. Um, quarterback Joe Burrow, he's set to miss several weeks due to a calf strain. Uh, they do say that he'll be ready for week one uh, more than likely, but Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase says that if he's not at 110%, he doesn't want Joe out there. Uh, Joe Burrow, obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the league, hands down. It's not even close. We know this man's in line for a $55 million contract when he does get yeah. re-signed. Uh, you know, it, I, I, I agree with Jamar Chase that if he's not 110%, don't even bother because you don't want to run the risk of injuring your star quarterback even more. But I think that this, this definitely affects the Bengals in a big way going into the season. Do you think Joe Burrow is going to be ready for week one? And do you think he's going to be as effective uh, this season? I mean, we've seen this before. A little injury happens in the offseason, and now a guy's hampered the whole season long, and he's not performing like himself. We've seen this. Do you think Joe Burrow is, is going to be the same way? I think he's of a different ilk, to be honest with you. I think he's the kind of guy that, that'll go out there and just, you know, whoop that ass just because he's Joe Burrow. Right. I, I, I draw parallels to Matthew Stafford. Uh, when he got, when he had his first, one of his first games against the Cleveland Browns and he got popped in the shoulder right at the end, we've seen it, you know, where he walks to the sidelines and, Oh, I can throw it if you need me to. And, you know, gets the touchdown because Cleveland idiotically burned their last time out. Uh, Cause they were going to have Dante Culpepper in the game, but, but going back to Joe Burrow, you know, I've I've long said that the Cincinnati Bengals have always played with a chip on their shoulder. Joe Burrow is a major reason for that. Yeah. Uh, on the one hand, Jamar Chase makes a ton of sense because where do, where do you want your quarterback to be when it comes to nut cutting time? When you get to the playoffs, you want your quarterback to be at the absolute top of your game because the best teams in the NFL make it to the playoffs. You know, even if it's, even if they backdoor it, you know, somebody could, you know, come out from behind and schoolboy you. It happens, you know, uh, the, the Seahawks beat the saints, you know, the lowly four seed saints for the lowly four seed Seahawks with a seven to nine record hosted a playoff game and ended up beating the new Orleans saints. So, so that stuff can happen to you. And you know, you don't, so you definitely don't want to set yourself up for failure at this finish line, but I can also see Joe Burrow going, you know what, this is, this is nothing, you know, hold my beer, hold my cigar. I'm going to get out. I'm going to go out there and just ball. Cause that's, that's, that's who I am. You know, I can see it going either way. 
Yeah, he's he's definitely a man's man, uh, and I, I have a I have a feeling that that he's you know going to go up and and sack up and just go do what he's going to do, uh, just because that's kind of the Joe Burrow way. There's a lot of grit to him, and, mm-hmm. and feeling that he's going to be uh, trying to get on that field. He's he's probably salivating at the idea of the potential of winning a Super Bowl with Cincinnati and giving them their first Super Bowl after being in one. Um, he's a special player. I like Joe Burrow a lot. Uh, I think that's another one, just like Justin Herbert. That's that's a Bustin Canton kind of guy. Yes. Uh, and, and I think that's that's kind of where uh, he's going to be headed. Uh, but when we just got done talking about those, those uh, Bengals corners, these two stories kind of go hand in hand. First of all, Dolphins corner Jalen Ramsey tears his meniscus. He underwent underwent a full meniscus repair. He won't be expected back until December. You got to remember the Dolphins traded all those pieces away, all those those picks and and everything else to go and get Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey now won't even be expected back until December. So we're talking at least uh, what week thirteen, roughly. Oof. I mean that's that's going to be uh, uh, not a, a whole lot of fun. For the Dolphins, uh, the good news is the Dolphins were winning football games before Jalen Ramsey arrived. So, I mean, right. at least we know the Dolphins are going to wind up, you know, I think they'll wind up in good shape until he gets back. And then by the time he gets back, we're going to see the Dolphins, you know, at full strength. Here's the deal. What about Tua? I think Tua is the is the X factor here. If he can stay healthy, if they can keep him off his back, if they can keep him from throwing gang signs up in the middle of the field, uh, another bingo card. Uh, I think uh, you're right. The Dolphins do stand a chance of at least holding together and having a decent record until he comes back. Because, again, when it comes to the nitty-gritty, when you're like two games out of the of the division, you're going you're gonna to want a player that can boost your chances to really – propel your team to the division and possibly a higher seed by the end of the season come playoff time. So, you know, when I first read that the first, the first reaction I had was, Oh boy, time to time to break out time to hit the panic button. But you know, you take a deep breath and you look at who you have, you have two, a tongue of Loa, you have Jalen Waddle, you have Tyreek Hill, you know, you have Raheem Mostert, you know, um, Jeff, you know, Exactly. Jeff, what? You have Jeff Wilson over there, who who yep. also both those guys coming from Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, both coming from San Francisco. Both those guys, the running backs uh, that played under McDonald over there. So I mean, or McDaniel. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I look at here's how I look at this situation. I think the Dolphins' defense is really, really bad. Last year, they were they were terrible, awful mm-hmm. defense. They were looking to fix that defense, which is a very, very good idea, but. You know, they they gave up a lot to go and get Jalen Ramsey. They still made a lot of good signings this offseason. I thought the Dolphins had themselves a pretty damn good offseason. Um, but what yeah, they – I, I, I agree with you that I think a lot of this falls on Tua right now. Um, the Dolphins, even in spite of the fact that they didn't have a good defense, if Tua stays on the field, if, if Tua isn't hurt, if Tua isn't suffering these concussions, if, if Tua isn't out of games, I do think the Dolphins make the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. and, and I do think the Dolphins are, are uh, um, you know, uh, going a little bit deeper in the playoffs than a lot of people expected. Tua Tungavailoa took steps forward in a big way. 
the biggest problem I had with Tua when he got drafted was his health. And that was a constant thing that I kept bringing up is that Tua's health is a factor. A lot of people say, oh, well, he didn't get hurt a whole lot. But the moment he did get hurt, he was out for a stretch of games that was very important. And it was it was like a nagging injury for the rest of the year. I mean, like when he did get hurt in college, that boy was out, period. Mm-hmm. So I, he doesn't have, I, I I hate to put it like this, but I don't feel like he has that grit that Joe Burrow has. Right. You know, no. I think that's, I think he's a lot more fragile than Joe Burrow, but I, I look at this. Um, well, you have to keep in mind too, uh, Joe Burrow has a calf strain and two uh, suffered concussions. Right, so right. you kind of, you kind of have to put that factor in too. I do think that, that in these situations, like when, when uh, uh, we get down, I don't think Joe Burrow is as fragile as, as Tua Tungavailoa is kind of what I'm getting at here. Absolutely. They were looking to correct that defense, getting Jalen Ramsey in the off season. Um, and, and in a way I think they're, they, they could still be in good shape. I, I don't think this is going to be a complete deal breaker for the Miami dolphins. They have to, they, uh, for them now, all it is, is we need to keep Tua upright and we need to make the tournament. That's what it is. We need to be mm-hmm. upright, and we got to get into the tournament. Once you get there, yep. You know, then it, the, you know the the other rest of the pieces fall into place. Yeah, Here's yeah. Who else? Anything could happen at that point, right? So absolutely. But what they did, and the Dolphins, now that this Jalen Ramsey stuff took place, they do go out and sign one of those uh, those members of that that Cincinnati Bengals Island of Misfit Toys that we were just talking about. Eli Apple gets signed to a one year deal which I thought was an interesting signing. Eli Apple does have a lot of starting experience in the league. He's a former New York Giant. If you remember, he was drafted by the Giants, if I'm not mistaken, in the first round. Uh, I like Eli Apple as far as like um, kind of a role player. Really having him there isn't a bad thing. If you look at the situation with Eli Apple, if Jalen Ramsey comes back and he's your number one come December, I don't think Eli Apple is anywhere near being a number one quarter. Okay? Obviously, you know, you have you have uh, Xavier Howard over there. You have good corners in that room. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is this is basically a, you know, a, a stop, you know, plugging a hole in the ship until yeah. uh, they can get the breach fixed. Right. But but think about about. How interesting this becomes, I think Xavier Howard's going to obviously wind up being your number one corner uh, over there, which isn't a bad thing. They had they had two basically they had one A and one B as far as their corner room went. Now they're going to have a legitimate one A at the at the moment, and then they're going to have a two, which is fine. Eli Apple is a decent two. When you get Jalen Ramsey back and you get Xavier Howard on both on the field as number one corners, and then you stick Eli Apple in the slot, mm-hmm. there you go. Formidable secondaries in the league uh, when everybody's healthy. So I like this Eli Apple signing. I thought this was a very under-the-radar signing that not a lot of people were looking at. The Dolphins go out, and they, they get a boon here for their defense. I like this. This was uh, um, a special signing for them, uh, whether or not people want to realize or understand it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like Eli Apple's a world beater, okay? He's not. He's not a world beater. But he's still a very uh, a solid corner. I think he's about an average corner. That that is going to be able to fill that role nicely, and he's going to be a, a, a better corner out of the sl- uh, out of the slot than a lot of people realize. He's going to be he's a good nickel corner, so it, it creates an interesting situation for the Dolphins. 
but but they uh, they get their guy, which I, I thought was smart. Um, another team that's getting their guys. Uh, let's talk about these Chicago Bears because right now they are just wheeling and dealing, getting ready for the the last uh, uh, little home stretch here of of uh, the off season. The Bears make three signings. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they went out. And they were wheeling and dealing in the last couple of weeks here. Uh, first of all, they go out and sign tight end Mercedes Lewis to a one-year deal. The big vet, Mercedes Lewis, getting his 17th season in the NFL at 39 years old. Uh, this man, he is like, and I, I, I hate to put it like this because he actually is a pretty damn good tight end. And I do remember a time when Mercedes Lewis was a, a very good tight end for the, the Tennessee, uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, I mean this in the kindest way possible. <laughs> it's the turd that won't flush, man. <laughs> it's it's seventeen years in the league. This is this is Frank Gore caliber stuff. Um, yes, and I want to see if if Mercedes Lewis is going to be able to still be a key contributor to uh, any NFL team, uh, let alone the the Chicago Bears. But I do think that this is a direct compliment and and. Um, away for uh, their other tight end, Cole Komet, to learn, who just got signed to a four-year, $50 million extension. It's 12 and a half per year. Now, first of all, I like the Mercedes-Lewis signing. I think that's a nice veteran presence, okay? Um, it's a one-year deal. It's cheap. The man's going to be playing his 17th year. There's a lot of nostalgia there. I don't think it's going to sell a whole lot of jerseys. I don't think it's going to make a ton of impact, but that veteran presence is good, and it's good for Cole Komet to learn, which he needs, because frankly, I hate the Cole Komet contract. I mm. hate it. I think Cole Komet is the biggest bang or bust, uh, overrated, uh, uh, bum of a tight end that, that you're ever going to see. He had a few good games here and there. He's very hot, and he's very not. I've got a lot of questions about this. I thought this was a disgusting overpayment. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a questionable tight end at best. Um, He has not lived up to the contract. And I think a lot of people are way too excited about this signing. This is not a good signing. This is like a signing that says you're pissing away money right now for the next five years or four years. This is a bad signing for a tight end that just doesn't have it, in my opinion. Right. I mean, this guy either needs to have the season of his life or the the Chicago Bears are going to be suffering from buyer's remorse. And, you know, and again, we we have to say it, old Boston Fields back there, if he if he lives up to his reputation as a running quarterback or a souped up running back and doesn't throw the ball to his wide receivers and his tight ends, you know, then what are you paying the man that much for? What 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 are we doing here? And and on one end, I kind of understand uh, the the fact that I think by the numbers, and you look at Cole Komet, he had a lot of touchdowns last year for a tight end, seven touchdowns. Okay, mm-hmm. and he had five hundred and forty four yards. All right, I I just look at and what I see from Cole Komet is is I needed to look at the um, his game logs, you know, is is what I needed to look at from from last season to really see what exactly we're dealing with. And if you look at Colt Komet's game logs from the last, from last year, and, and I'll, I'll go through the, the yardage here for you. If, if it, you know, two receptions, 40 yards, 
Three receptions, 16 yards. Four receptions, 45 yards. One reception, 15 yards. Two receptions, 30 yards. Two receptions, 11, uh, 11 yards. Five receptions, 41 yards. Four receptions, 74 yards. Three receptions, 35 yards. Three receptions, 27 yards. Four receptions, 25 yards. Six receptions, 72 yards. Five for 27, two for 27, four for 57. I mean, like, if you look at his numbers, they're not good. Those are not elite numbers. No. They're not. I I mean, it's it's just the fact. It Mm -hmm. is not elite numbers. And I can't sit here in good faith and, and tell you that I thought he was just some type of, you know, amazing player. No. Can't. I can't. And and he's not, and he's sure as shit not worth 12 and a half. No. 12 and a half? For yeah, that? And 40, and 40 million total? I mean, what? What what are we doing here? I mean, that, I, that's like Dak Prescott money, and Dak Prescott, you know, questionably. Yeah, I mean, you know. 50, $50 million over four years, like, like, and, and I think you mean like by, by tight end standards, that is, that would be like Dak Prescott. That's, that's top tight end money. 12 and a that's half. Travis Kelsey money. Yeah. That's 12 and a half. For yeah. That? For, for a guy like this. No, and all because, I, don't, I don't buy it. And, and I get it. The guy caught, you know, he caught seven touchdowns last year. I get it. I, and I understand that's probably what they're looking at. He's always a red zone threat, but my God. And then, and then look at this. This is what I mean by boomer bust stuff. Week one, zero touchdowns, two, zero, three, zero, four, zero, five, zero, six, zero, seven, zero, eight, one, Uh, you know, like nine, two, 10, two, 11, zero, 12, zero, 13, zero, 14, zero, 15, zero. I, I mean, and then 16, one, 17, one. I mean, like, he had five games with touchdowns last year. Yeah, five. It's like what, it's, fifty it's, million dollars. What, so what? much of Tyler Lockett in a way, where mm. we, Tyler Lockett one week is giving you two hundred yards, and then the next week he's giving you twenty. You know, you right. you just eh, eh, is is it really that? No, it, it's garbage. I, yep. I think it's a terrible signing. I think people weren't thinking when they did this signing. Uh, this is a bad signing. Uh, Cole Komet should not be making $12.5 million. I think he's a $6 million at best tight end. Uh, th- this is not good. And I don't care if he's your starter or not. I, that's a bad signing. Um, and, and this is one of those signings where you just go, ugh, nasty. Yeah. Um, but one signing that the Bears did make that I thought was very good, they went out yes. and signed edge rusher Yannick Ngakwe to a one-year $10.5 million deal. This is about what Ngakwe is worth. Uh, currently, I'm surprised more teams weren't jumping at Yannick Ngakwe because he is a very good edge rusher. He's a very effective edge rusher. I'm surprised that the Vikings didn't look at him, uh, given their scheme change, given the fact that Brian Flores is over there. Um, but you know what? The Rams get themselves a very good player on a pretty reasonable deal, 10.5 for Yannick Ngakwe, who's a guy that should probably be getting paid 16 to $17 million. Um very good player. This is going to be a nice little boon for that defense that struggled heavily last year, that Bears defense. Uh, I think this is smart, and I think this is a prove-it deal. If Ngakwe does good this year, I, I think you're going to be talking about maybe a three-year deal, and it's going to be 
a sizable pay increase, don't you? I absolutely. You know, <laughs> maybe they'll take some of that Cole Komet money and put it toward sliding Yanagagakwe's way. Right. I would hope. I hope the Bears organization looks at it and goes, God damn, we need to restructure that contract. That was pitiful. <laughs> it's terrible. It's a it's- terrible deal. I don't understand what they were thinking there. Uh, man, I, I got questions. You know, they, they said they were going to take the NFC North and never give it back. Well, uh, uh, well, first of all, <laughs> I it. think Detroit, Detroit definitely has something to say about that. And not just because I'm a Detroit Lions fan. But at the same time, like, if you're making bonehead moves like this and you have Boston Fields in the in the, in the under center, you know, which everybody's going to, oh, I've, I've heard people say Justin Fields is going to be a great quarterback next year. You watch him like, no, he's not. No. No, he's not. He's going to be a great running back. <laughs> yeah, great running back. But what if he tears his ACL? Yeah. I because mean, he runs all over the place. What then? This is on the level, like, I, I think Justin Fields could be like Lamar Jackson. Right. He's He's got to improve his accuracy. Right. You know, and that's going to be a huge thing for the Bears moving into the this upcoming season. You know, you've got to see a significant improvement in his accuracy. You've got to see a significant improvement in his decision making in the pocket. He's got to stop running as like, as soon as a little bit of pressure comes up in his face, or as soon as the pocket starts to collapse. You have to. He's got to settle down. He's got to be able to step up in the pocket. He has to make, be able to make pre snap reads, which he wasn't able to make last year. I mean, there there were. A lot of issues with Justin Fields, and uh, you know the Bears. I I didn't like Justin Fields from the rip, and and I have this this inkling of a feeling that he's going to wind up being one of those flash in the pan type of of uh, running back type style quarterbacks where he he runs all over the place and he lasts about two three years and everybody thinks he's the bee's knees and then he gets hurt and then his career is never the same and then he's gone. And that's kind of where I think he's headed, to be honest with you. I don't think he's going to end up being a $55 million man. I don't think he's going to wind up being, you know, one of those guys that figures it out like Russ Wilson. Russ Wilson was a running quarterback, if you remember, when he first came into the league. He ran all over the place. He learned how to throw the ball effectively, and and he was very accurate. So, I mean, I got got questions here. I got Mm -hmm. questions about Fields, and I got questions about the Bears. Do I think they're going to be giving up the uh, the NFC North this year? Absolutely, they're going to be in dead last. That's yeah. <laughs> up to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting go for the old Bears. There. Speaking of the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings making moves here. They go out and sign Neil Hunter to a one year deal. They increase his pay from five million dollars to twenty million dollars. You know. Here's the thing about this this deal. Um, is Daniil Hunter worth $20 million? Yes. He's worth every penny of it as one of the best defensive ends in the league. He's one of the best edge rushers in the league. He's one of the best um, uh, one of the best defensive players in the league, period. And he's the probably the best defensive player on this team. Let's just face that fact. My thing about this is I feel like every year we're going through this, this annual pissing match with Daniil Hunter about – his contract and him holding out or holding in or whatever the hell he's going to do. Every year, the Vikings are having a pissing match with Daniil Hunter about his contract. And, and the reality is, is that the Vikings had a situation where Daniil signed a contract way too early in his career for way too little money. And 
when he continued to develop into one of the best pass rushers in the league, he, he wasn't making as much as he should have been. And, and a lot of that comes on him. It's, I liken him to, and, and for you basketball fans out there, I liken this Daniel Hunter situation to Scottie Pippen, where Scottie mm-hmm. Pippen went out there and he signed a, a, a long seven-year deal or a six-year deal, and he wasn't making diddly for money when he was playing for the Bulls. He was one of the, the, one of the most um, underpaid players in the entire league uh, in the NBA, and Daniel Hunter is no different. He was one of the most underpaid players in the league for a while there. He wanted more money. The Vikings gave him more money, and every year they keep giving him more money and or giving him the $20 million or $22 million or however much they're going to give him, and it's understandable. I understand why he's frustrated and why he wants to get paid like one of the best defensive players in the league, because he is. But Mm -hmm. he signed a bad contract. You signed the bad contract, buddy. So I'm I'm one of those guys where where I if you're gonna hold out, okay, hold out. I'll 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 leave you there. I'll leave you there and I'll find the shit out of you. And you know, you won't get paid. I mean, that's just what it is. I will go find somebody else. If I were the Vikings, I would have been signing Yannick and Gakwe. Said, all right, Daniil, here you go. You can take your $5 million and cram it up your ass because I'm going to find you $50,000 a day for every day that you're not on the field because they can do that, even though he's a hold in. If he's not playing, he's not getting paid. So, I mean, it's, it's to me, I think Daniil Hunter, um, I'm sort of tired of the annual pissing match with him over his contract. If I'm the Vikings, I'm considering the future after Daniil Hunter after this season. As much as I like Daniel Hunter, as much as I love the things that he can do, as big and physical as he is, am I considering for Daniel Hunter? Yeah, I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a new edge rusher, and and the new defensive end or new edge rusher isn't going to be Marcus Davenport. Okay, let's just face that fact. Marcus Davenport, by the way, already hurt, <laughs> just <laughs> like par for the course for him. But if I'm the Minnesota Vikings, I'm getting kind of tired of this shit, and I really just want to send Daniel Hunter out the door. Me as a fan, I like Daniel Hunter as the player, but like I said, the annual pissing match with Daniel over his contract, we don't know. It's just kind of become a waste of time to me. It's it's become silly, and uh, I'm tired of seeing it as a fan, and I'm sure the Vikings as an organization are tired of dealing with it. Um, Alex, what say you on Daniel Hunter here? You know, uh, I think it hit the nail pretty much on the head. You know, at, on the one hand, you're right. He signed a bad contract, you know, poo on you. Yep. You know, we're not we're not going to, you know, bend our knee to you. You know, yeah, you're a great player. We definitely want to keep your services. But at the same time, we have a business to run. Yep. And we have, a ca- we have cap space to worry about. And we have draft picks to worry about. And, you know, like a guy like you, we can definitely get some top tier picks for you or a top tier player for you. You know, we can, we can trade, we can get some pretty good offers, you know, for a trade. So you can go somewhere where you can get paid the money you deserve and we can be still maintain our effectiveness as a team, you know, d- depending on what trade you have. And, and you know, again, Quasi Adolfo Mensa has not been, you know, he's been soft on trades before. You know, right. do you think he's going to learn from his mistakes? It, you know, time will tell. But he's been he's he's been notoriously soft on trades in the past. So this could end up being you know it could end up backfiring. We could you you guys might end up sending selling Daniel Hunter for a flat tire and a pair of underwear. Who knows? 
But, uh, you know, it, it's a risky run. Obviously, when you have a GM that has a good mind one way and, and a terrible mind the other way. Uh, yeah. But I, at the same, you know, but. I, I think they could have gotten a lot for Daniel Hunter. I, I really do. I thought a trade was was the most logical route here. I thought, uh, um, and, and I keep talking about Yannick Ngakwe because, you know, to see him go to the Bears and to see Yannick Ngakwe is a guy who fits a 3-4 scheme. You know, remember previously the Vikings did bring in Yannick Ngakwe when, you know, Daniel Hunter went down a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And Ngakwe wasn't a good fit because he plays in a 3-4 scheme and not a 4-3 scheme, right? right. And, and so when we brought him in to play in a 4-3 scheme and it didn't work out, everybody's like, oh, well, what happened with Yannick? Well, you know, oh. Yannick wasn't playing in the scheme that he's used to, and, and he struggled. And I don't I, – I, I'm not surprised. But mm-hmm. I, if it was me, I would have dealt to Neil Hunter, got the draft picks. You know, you're, I, I think, you know, and, and a lot of times in the league now, you're, when you're dealing a guy that's a veteran player that wants the big money, that you're going to, you know, the, the new team is going to have to sign to a big money deal. If you're doing that, then you're going to get a third round pick, which I'm fine with. Get what you can for it. Sign Yannick Ngakwe to the 10 and a half that, that the Bears just signed him for. Save yourself the cap space. Save yourself the trouble. Get yourself a good edge rusher, and let's go. And, and, and make your new defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, happy. You know, it, it just seemed like nobody thought about the, the logic here. And I think sometimes, you know, even though Daniil Hunter is a very, very good player and very good defensive end, sometimes I think some of these GMs are are – and I know you want to get the most that you can out of the guy, but sometimes I think some of these GMs are reaching to try and get, you know, maybe even a first round pick that's not there. And, and I don't think a first round pick was ever on the table for Daniel Hunter for any team out there. You know, like teams are not that desperate for an edge rusher. I, I think they're going to go out and get a, give you a second rounder, maybe a third rounder. You know, like that's, that's about what you're going to get for Daniel Hunter. I mean, it's the reality. I, I'm, I'm living in, in back on, you know, it's like come down on back to planet earth with the rest of us, you know, they, <laughs> and it's the truth. So, I mean, uh, Daniel Hunter, like I said, if I'm the Vikings, I would have dealt him, but they're going to have him for one more year. Daniel becomes a free agent after this season. Um, he can test the market. He's in line for a big payday. As long as he has a very good year this year, which I have every inclination that he will, this Brian Flores defense from everything that everybody's saying is looking frighteningly good. So. Um, <laughs> I, w- I want to see uh, uh, what they they uh, are capable of here with Daniel Hunter back on the field and and uh, revamping that that defense. Also, speaking of defensive ends and holdouts, uh, 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa reportedly is a holdout right now. He has not shown up to camp while he's waiting on a new contract. This is a huge loss for the 49ers. He is the best defensive player they have, hands down. It's not Ar- close. arguably in the league. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best defensive ends in the league. Uh, no doubt. Um, I, I got, I, I've only got a three word solution for this problem. Pay the man. Yeah. Yeah. Pay him, pay him. You know, I, this, I, this I, is I, one situation where it's like, yes, please give him the money. Your yeah. defense needs all the help it can get. And you have one of the best players in the league. Pay yeah. the man. If, if you don't sign him, if you don't sign him, 
you are a, you know, uh, Lynch, John Lynch is, is failing as a general manager at that point. If you do not get that man signed, if you mm, don't that, sign, you're, you are failing. That's yeah, it. And you might find yourself in the hot seat too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just, uh, I don't under, like, you cannot let this man go unsigned. You no, can't. you can't. It doesn't make sense. I, I just I, I hate the fact that he's he's a holdout right now. And, and John Lynch, he should be absolutely ashamed at the fact that that he has not gotten this deal done already. Like, yeah. How do you not sign this man to a long term deal? How does this not happen? I, I mean, yeah. it, what, it doesn't what the make fuck. Sense. What the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Your your best defensive player is it yeah, on contract? Oh what? my gosh! Yeah, so you, you you if he sails out the door and 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 benefits some other team, I think the GM if he doesn't get fired, he's definitely on the hot seat. Yeah, and and John Lynch like like if if he's been very good for the 49ers. he has mm-hmm. been very good for the 49ers as a general manager. And, and he deserves all the credit in the world for how he's helped put together that defense and how he's helped keep that team relevant. Because the Niners, in a lot of these situations, if on paper, you'd be like, that team? Really? That team? They're, mm-hmm. they're in the playoffs? They're, they're, going yeah. to, they're going to the NFC title game? What? They're, they're- yeah, but, he, we know, but we know why. Players like, Joe, players like, Joey, like, uh, like Bosa. Yeah, like guys, but but John Lynch is a huge factor in these guys getting signed to these big deal or getting signed and and being around for the Niners. That's that's the big thing. And and John Lynch has been getting it done. But man, you cannot let your best defensive player walk out the door. You can't. Nope. Can't it, it do doesn't it. Make sense. Um. So hopefully, for the Niners' sake, they wind up getting uh, Bosa to a a long term deal. Unbelievable, man. I, I just don't understand how you just don't sign the man. Just sign mm. him. Um, guys are getting signed, though. There, there are other signings that are going on out there. Uh, Cowboys sign a key cog to their, uh, to their defense here. They go out and sign safety Malik Hooker to a three-year, $24 million extension. It's $8 million per year. That man is worth every penny. I love Malik Hooker. I think Malik Hooker is one of those unsung heroes of of uh, the defensive backfields here. Um, people need to to credit guys like Malik Hooker. He's been sort of something of a journeyman the last few years, kind of jumping around. Last year he was really good. I like Malik Hooker. I love this signing. Eight million dollars a year is a very fair offer for a safety of his caliber. Um, he's one of the better safeties in the league. He's above average. And uh, he definitely fits what the Cowboys are doing. Their defense has, was uh, very good last year. This is an excellent signing, and it's for a good price. Malik Hooker worth every penny. Absolutely, you know, uh, no argument here. And Dallas needs all the help they can get. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of why they've it's kind of it's stuff like this why they've they've hung around the divisional round and just ended up bouncing. You know, they end up bouncing in the. In the divi- in the NFC title game or the divisional round because Dak Prescott, but we digress. Yeah, the the Cowboys, the, their roster needs some work. We'll be talking about their uh, their other guy very shortly here. But first, I want because we're talking about safeties getting paid. 
I want to talk about this one, too, uh, because after requesting a trade in April, Cardinal Safety Buda Baker has agreed to receive an additional $2.4 million added to his contract in the form of incentives and bonuses. He will be on the field. He's happy as a clam. He's stated on multiple occasions that he's rededicated himself to uh, the success of the Arizona Cardinals. Buda Baker is one of the best safeties in the league. And if you're going to make the man happy with just $2.4 million, you're going to take that deal in a heartbeat. Uh, yes. That you want that man happy. And <laughs> well, uh, you need all the help you can get out in the desert because really you only have you only have Kyler Murray on offense and he's questionable at best. The the team's a dumpster fire. So you need all the help you can get. And you know, if you, if you can eke out like two or three wins because of uh, exceptional safety play by Buda Baker, hats off. You know, if you can, if you can get, if you can climb out of the basement with, with, with a, with this signing, you know, then it's like, okay, now we can really start to get, you know, now we can start to put some rubber to the road and some tread in the mud. Right. And, and that's my thing. I think, um, uh, I, I really think that this was, that this was a very, very smart signing by the Arizona Cardinals. It was brilliant. They, they wind up getting the, one of the best safeties in the league, um, to stick around and be happy and they get it, they make him happy. And who would have thunk 2.4 million was what would make you happy. My, I'm sorry, Alex, I keep getting caught in my headphones here. That's the <laughs> some have longer hair, but, um, you know, he winds up, uh, uh, you, you made one of your best players happy with 2.4 million. Yeah. So How does that the, happen? You know, it's it's a it's a beautiful situation, you know, in an in an age in an age where, you know, everybody wants more money, the running back situation where everybody wants to get paid big money. Everybody wants to, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not getting paid enough. If if two point four million dollars could put a smile on your face in this in this day and age, take it. And that's what that's what the Cardinals did. Yeah, the Cardinals, uh, they 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 sort of get away with one here. Really, they sort of do. They they go out and they get their guy. They sign him at two point four. And uh, or two, 2.4, and it, it's just incentives and bonuses. So, I mean, like, right. part of it's incentives. So, it's an incentive for good play. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, a winner. It's a winner, man, all mm-hmm. around. An absolute win. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, and, I, and they need, and they sorely need it too. Like, and yeah. any good, any good news that the Arizona Cardinals can get at this point is certainly well received. Absolutely. Um, and and back on the Cowboys here because we I, I wanted to go the safety route there because we we're talking about him but back on the Cowboys uh, Cowboys offensive guard Zach Martin is currently holding out for a new contract as well uh, Jerry Jones currently standing firm he states that there are other young players who are going to be getting paid down the line and who need hey, to do- down the line hey hey well they do need to be paid by the line down the line but hey dummy uh, Zach Martin's one of the best offensive guards in the league. Yeah, uh, pay the man. And you've got an injury-prone quarterback in Dak Prescott that you need to protect. Uh, you know, they. I think the Cowboys are are kind of being silly here. I know Jerry mm-hmm. Jones, like the the Cowboys, in in a way, have sort of stuck themselves in cap hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they they've done that already. We've seen that. Um, it's making for a very interesting situation. I, uh, I, I. I I think that Jerry Jones is really trying to nickel and dime certain things. Uh, he's done that a few times over the last several years, uh, especially with things like the Amari Cooper trade from last year. He was trying to nickel and dime his receiver position. And it turned into just the CD lamb show. And that was about it. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, the the Cowboys, <clears throat> they're going to have to start getting rid of some of the larger contracts. So I do understand moving, trying to move on from Zach Martin, but at the same time, he's, you know, he's worth he, the money. Yeah. I think if you give him a short term deal, it makes a lot of sense. If you give yeah. him two years, you know, give him a Daniil Hunter type deal. A year or two at the $20 million deal or a year or two at $15 million, whatever, makes a lot of sense, okay? Yep. Just give them a top-tier guard deal for the time being. Get yourself through the next couple of years. Draft your guy in the future, your new interior offensive lineman. Even if you draft him in the next couple of years, he can learn from Zach Martin, and then you can move on from Martin. You know, but, like, you got to get through the next couple of years. You got to. I mean, and, yep. and I think it's silly on the part of Jerry Jones to try and 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 be bullheaded about this situation. Right. Jerry Jones has a tendency to do that, though. We've seen that in the past on several occasions. This is one of those silly things. I think it's dumb. Just yeah. sign and sign the man to the short term deal and move on. Negotiate right. a one year, two year deal. Make it year to year for the time being, and then be on your way. You know, it's. Yep. And and I, I just think Jerry Jones is being way too bullheaded about this, um, you know, for a veteran player. If you want to move on from a guy, you need to make, take the steps to be able to successfully move away from the guy and move on from him. Yeah, use your head. Otherwise, you know, it may very well affect your chances of making it to the playoffs uh, to take the division. You know, it's it, uh, having a player like that on the field, in my opinion, is the difference between, you know, backdooring your way into the playoffs or missing the playoffs or taking the division. Yep. And especially when you got a division that's as competitive as the NFC East right now between mm. Eagles, Cowboys and Giants right now, because let's not forget the New York Giants made the playoffs last year and they were very competitive. You know, it's to me, this is a no brainer. Uh, and, and Jerry Jones should be signing that man to a deal. So, I mean, I, I think it's silly uh, for him not to do that just dumb yeah. uh one team that is kind of in the same boat um so the indianapolis colts they're in sort of a situation where they gotta get ready to extend jonathan taylor um he's been very good over the last several years here uh colts running back jonathan taylor has requested a trade from the team he could stage a hold in uh he wants a new deal one of the big things that that I think is an issue here is obviously we we're talking about the running back market last show and and how all these running backs are you know not getting paid what they want um, and and so oh, Colts owner Jim Ursay had a lot to say and Jim Ursay notoriously over the last couple of years has been just a, a loud mouth that says a lot of ridiculous bullshit. Sometimes it's ridiculous, other times you agree with him, but most of the time he's a big mouth and he needs to learn to shut up. Okay, but Jim Ursay says that the team will not be trading Jonathan Taylor in spite of the fact that he he asked for a trade from the team. Uh, Taylor's decision to request a trade comes on the heels of Jim Ursay going out in a public interview and saying he feels that running backs requesting a renegotiation of their personal positional salary was, quote unquote, inappropriate after the players had agreed to the CBA. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and Jim Ursay both met on a team bus, and they after the meeting, not too long after the meeting, Taylor was requesting a trade from the team. Um, look, uh, first of all, Jim Ursay, 
and this is going to be as brutal as I can put it. There's a there's a song out there, Jim Irsay, I love you, man, but sometimes you need to learn to when to shut the fuck up. Okay, and this is one of those times where Jim Irsay just needed to shut the fuck up because he went and pissed off his best fucking player. You just pissed off one of the best running backs in the league. Ugh. He's your best player. Um, He's yep. the best player you have. And you yep. just pissed him off. Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think it's silly. Um, you know. Yeah, this is truly a facepalm moment. You know, it's like, it, so you, you might end up mortgaging your future if, if you end up, you know, if he sits a hold in, if you, you know, if he trades him, like, who else do you have? You have nobody. Yeah. And they, the, the Colts, because they don't know if Jonathan Taylor's going to hold in. They don't know if he's going to play this year. They, they have all kinds of questions about it. They go out and sign running back Kenyon Drake to a one-year deal, which I think is a joke. Um, mm. Kenyon Drake has not been good. Um, over the last several years, I don't buy Ken. You know, a lot of people got really excited about him because he got rolled kind of hot over in uh, Baltimore for a minute there, but then kind of cooled off pretty quick. Um, Kenyon Drake is not Jonathan Taylor. Let's just, no. <laughs> he is not going to be able to fill that role. Uh, I think it's silly. I think uh, Jim Ursay is now trying to play chicken, contract chicken with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor deserves to be paid. Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. and, and, some people are pointing to the fact that Jonathan Taylor supposedly had a, a back issue going on. Jonathan Taylor said, uh, I never complained of a back problem. I never had a back problem. Y'all need to check your sources is what he said on Twitter. So uh, I think that's kind of a, a an indicator of, of uh, you know, what we're seeing here. Uh, I, I think, I think Jonathan Taylor is pissed. He wants to go to a team that's going to, going to, uh, uh, acknowledge the fact that he's as good um, of, of an offensive player as, as anybody's ever seen. And I think the running backs right now are getting disgustingly underpaid, especially ones like Jonathan Taylor, uh, who deserve huge contracts. Jonathan Taylor is the kind of guy that you give $16 million a year to. Okay. Yep. That is that contract. He is that guy that you give Christian McCaffrey money to. I, yep. I just, I don't understand this. I think it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So Jim Irsay goes out and pisses off one of his best players. And then on top of it, the bad day continues for the Colts. Uh, defensive tackle DeForest Buckner leaves Thursday's practice with a foot injury. Uh, DeForest Buckner, one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Um, the Colts, man, their best players, they're either going down or they're pissed. <laughs> and DeForest Buckner, he goes down too. You hate to see it. I, I think uh, – <laughs> I think this is going to be a huge issue if he is uh, down for the long term. I haven't seen any updates on Buckner. We'll we'll probably have him by next show. But man, the Colts yeah update at the office. Yeah, I mean it kind of leads credence to the fact that they may be the the they'll they'll be dead last and they'll be dead last in the AFC South. Uh, you know the Texans and the Colts might compete for that spot. But with CJ Stroud and Will Anderson, you know, I think the Texans climb out of the dumpster fire, climb out of the dumpster. Uh, whereas the Colts are just, they're just a dump. They're, they're the new dumpster fire. Yeah. The Colts are, are definitely, you know, after those, those couple of, of fun years, they're definitely on their way down the roller coaster hill. Um, and, and they're going to have themselves a, a really hard time, I think. Uh, and also if you look at, um, so you, you mentioned the Texans. Let's talk about the Texans. They're doing some stuff. They had a few issues. Uh, they're 
Center Scott Quisenberry gets carted off the field Thursday with a leg injury. Um, probably pretty serious when you're getting carted. Uh, Quisenberry, if I'm not mistaken, was set to be their starting center this year, so they're going to have to start getting in the market for a center, which I'm sure there's plenty out there, um, but they're going to have to find themselves a center. But they do get a couple of good things that happen to them. First and foremost, they activate defensive end Chase Winovich off of the pup list. I know you know a lot about Chase Winovich, you being a Michigan Wolverines fan. Uh, sure. Good player. Um, he's one of those guys that that never got enough credit when he was with the Patriots, uh, winds up with the Texans. Texans are, are basically starting him as one of their defensive ends. Do I think Chase Winovich is like a game-changing guy? Is he Aiden Hutchinson? No. Okay, he's not. Still. High motor guy, very motivated, good leadership. I think he's he's a really solid player. Um, do I ever think he's going to wind up being an all pro type of guy? Uh, probably not. But you know what? Not, not this year. But there's got to be something to it, given the fact that D'Amico Ryan's is the former defensive coordinator from the 49ers, and he saw, he kind of likes Winovich if he's going to be starting over there with his team in the Houston Texans. So. Yep. We're gonna we could see a turnaround for Chase Winovich. We're gonna find out. And then another thing for the Texans, another positive, they go out and sign right tackle Titus Howard to a three-year, $56 million deal. Now, this signing happened before last show, and mm -hmm. I completely missed it, but I wanted to address it because of the fact that we didn't get to talk about it on last show. Titus Howard, three years, 56 million. It's 18.6 million per year. He's one of the better right tackles in the league. Um, I actually don't mind this signing a whole lot. I, I think this is, is quite good for the Texans. They need to protect CJ Stroud and mm -hmm. Howard is one of those guys, uh, that I think will be beautiful at doing so, uh, $18 million a year. He has a really good pass blocking grade 70.2 in the pass blocking department. So, I mean, seven and, you know, every year consistent pass blocker, they're looking to base that entire offense around C.J. Stroud. And I think that they getting Titus Howard is exactly what they wanted to do. He's still pretty young, too. This is a, a uh, coming off of a rookie contract. Last year, he was a 67.9 overall PFF grade. I mean, he's healthy. He plays well. Availability and reliability. And it seems like yep. he's got both those things going for him. So... Hmm. Uh, a bit of an uh, so I like the deal. I like the fact that he's he's signed long term. A little bit overpaid, but <clears throat> not it's, it's not a, it's not as bad as the Cole Komet signing. <laughs> yeah, if we're talking fifteen sixteen million for for Titus Howard, I wouldn't be mad at it. Um, eighteen point three is a little high, but I do understand, especially for a right tackle as opposed to a left tackle. But you know, it, it's still a decent signing. I'm not entirely mad at it. This is this hmm. could. A, uh, a really good thing for the Texans. So they go out and get their guy. Um, and uh, speaking of guy of teams getting their guy, uh, the Patriots outside linebacker Matthew Judon, the former Raven, he receives $12 million in additional guaranteed money. He goes from $2 million this year to $14 million this year for his guaranteed money for 2023. It effectively ends his hold-in with the Patriots. You remember the Patriots got him on a dime last year. Uh, you wind up getting him uh, locked in this for the season. He's not holding in anymore. He gets his money, which Matt Judon is definitely worth it. I was amazed that the Ravens let him walk, to be frank mm -hmm. with you. Tyler was 
you know, and, and when Tyler was on the show, it's it, a lot of homerism there. Oh, well, he's, he's not that good. The Ravens are doing the right thing. And that, 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 you know, uh, you know, realistically, Judon's a great player and they should have retained him. I wish they would have retained him for the Ravens sake. Um, Judon, uh, uh, getting his money, this is a hundred percent worth it. And we know how the Patriots work. They have a really good defense almost every year. Um, with, uh, at least with, when Matt Patricia's not there, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Without Matt Patricia, they have done exceedingly well with, mm-hmm. with a defensive coordinator. So, um, this you, is good you know how sometimes a bad head coach ends up being an excellent coordinator. Uh, Matt Patricia is a bum all around. Yeah. He just I, needs to go away. Yeah. Complete bum. Um, yeah, I I'm with you there. 100%. I think Matt Patricia's a bum, but I, I think this is a great signing. Patriots get their guy. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. I, I think Judon is worth everything um, yep. that they're giving him. Um, also, we've got uh, a few more issues going on here. Uh, our last couple of news stories. We'll start with the Seahawks. Um, so they got a little little bit of issues in their running back room, to be honest with you. Running back Zach Charbonnet, he uh, has returned to practice after injuring his shoulder. He will participate in Friday's mock scrimmage. Head coach Pete, uh, eh, head coach Pete Carroll told reporters, uh, "Zach Charbonnet, you know, I know um, we all have a lot of uh, history talking about Charbonnet. Uh, you, you, uh, you know of him. Was with the University of Michigan. Left, went elsewhere. Gets drafted to the NFL." Um, you know, Boots isn't really big on on Charbonnet. Mm-hmm. I I like him a lot. I think he's special. Um, I, I think there's I I had a few questions about him as far as his uh, draft profile went. I do remember talking about him and going, "Hey, I have some questions about this and that." But ultimately, I think they're trying to get a guy that's going to be sitting behind Kenneth Walker because Kenny Walker is going to be your number one there. And they want somebody that's going to be consistently behind him. Kenny Walker, however, is also dealing with a groin injury. He's being handled cautiously. He will not practice until it go and quote, it goes away according to Pete. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to find out uh, uh, what, what uh, is going on with Seattle's running back room, but this is a huge issue for them because they are a run first team. So, yep. you know, Seattle you definitely, you definitely need Kenneth Walker, the third on the field. Yeah. Yeah. You do need Kenny Walker out there. I, I, he was such a huge part of that, uh, that offense kind of slowed down, down the stretch near the end of the year, but ultimately you got to get him out there, but it's a good thing for them to have Zach Charbonnet out there. Um, also, Rams running back Sony Michelle. Let's talk about him. This mm-hmm. one, this one hurt. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw this and I, I saw the sad face forming <laughs> in so- the background. <laughs> I want to say thanks to Sony Michelle before we we continue here for all of the wonderful memories of of uh, torching Tyler on the show and kicking him out of the playoffs and the fantasy league that we're in and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, not a starting running back, Sony Michelle, who proved that he can be a starting running back in this league. He just decided to retire from the NFL. It makes me sad, but mm. we wish Sony Michelle all the best. Thank you for all the wonderful things that you did for me on this show. I love, <laughs> love well, being able to to dance all over Tyler's uh, 
fantasy football grave that season that you you eliminated them. I I loved the fact that that uh, Sony Michelle allowed me to get so many digs in on Tyler, <laughs> jab him, and play poke the bear. It's been well, great- it, well, it, well. It's not a good thing for the Rams either. I mean, you know, they need all the help they can get, and if 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 they're losing a running back like Sony Michelle, it's like, well, who else do you have left? Because here's here's the real kicker. Here's the real here's the real kick in the nuts. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Well, Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup, essentially the best player on their team, injures his hamstring in camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's um. Cooper Cup, he he's considered day to day. Sean McVay says he'll be back, back, quote unquote, just in time for the regular season. But man, that's got to be painful not having him for camp for the rest of camp. Yeah. It, what are we doing here? Like your 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 best player is is out now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so. your best player is out. You know you have Stets. You know Stetson Bennett got drafted, but you know you have like who who's the quarterback there now? Uh, and, well, with the Rams, I mean, it's still Matt Stafford, but you know he needs uh, time, John. Bingo. Card. There we go. <laughs> Keep the streak going. But no, <laughs> but it, but it's like you know, now your best players like on the shelf. It's like you know what what else could possibly go wrong right. for the Los Angeles Rams? I you know I might shift my I might shift my thinking here a little bit. Instead of the Bears being dead last, I think the Rams are going to get the number one pick in the draft. They keep this up. I mean, they they need all the help they can get. They really do. I mean, it's it's a disaster over there with the Rams. And and I don't know what in the hell they're doing, what in the hell they're thinking. I have I no. Have, I have never seen a Super Bowl team fall apart so quickly in my life. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't understand um, what in the hell they're doing. But, uh, yeah, it, it, the, the Rams, the thing is, that what did they say? Fuck them picks, right? They, that's what they were all. <laughs> they, mortgaged their, they mortgaged their future for a Super Bowl, and, and goodness knows they got it. Yeah. Thank God they got it. Because, like, with Boots and I, we were, talk, we were all talking about it a couple shows ago where you have like this five-year buffer, this five-year high you can run. Right. We got a trophy. We have a banner, you know? So, you know, Los Angeles fans are also, you know, LA Rams fans are also a little more patient, you know, than, than your traditional fan bases. Like if this, if something like this happened to the New York Giants, people would be throwing their TVs out the window. If yeah. something like this happened to the Philadelphia Eagles, there would be riots in the streets. Right. You know, so you know, so, the, so you have your Super Bowl win, plus you have a little more mellow fan base in Los Angeles. So you have five years to kind of rebuild everything up. But um, it, after that five-year period, if you're still struggling, then people are going to start pressing the panic button. They're going to start getting antsy, and I don't blame mm-hmm. them. I don't blame mm-hmm. them one bit. People are going to start getting antsy, and and that's going to be a uh, you know a big thing. It's going to be a big mm-hmm. thing them uh, uh you know they, they're gonna have to rebuild quickly and effectively last year was not a step in the right direction so yeah. already one year down i think like like you said and like boots was saying you got about five to seven year buffer and then after that people are going to start getting pissed and and that's kind of what you saw during the jeff fisher era when when the rams went and won the super bowl and jeff fisher came around and then okay <laughs> you know and then it was a disaster so we're going to find out but at the end of the day the Rams, uh, they, they, they better they get could, 
the road. They bet they better get their shit together, or they're going to be they'll they'll earn the number one draft pick, and <laughs> you yeah. know <laughs> that's the only solace they can have at this point. Right. So, uh, Alex, before we get off the show and before we get out of here today, we want to start talking about um, uh, some of our predictions. uh, And that's our news and notes, by the way, uh, for the league. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, our predictions for different year-end awards. Um, We've been uh, chit-chatting a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, who we think is going to do what and and how we think things are going to lay out as far as our MVP goes, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, things like that. Um, So I wanted to go through this list here. And I wanted us to sit here and make our predictions right here and now, our way too early predictions on who we think is going to uh, uh, take these type of awards, uh, passing leader, rushing leader, receiving leader, sack leader, interceptions leader, best offense, best defense, stuff like that. So we're going to jump into that real quick before we take off, because uh, I I think that this is going to be a fun thing. And then next time, uh, when when uh, Boots is in in town and whatnot, we're going to be doing uh, some more fun exercises, which I think are going to be fun. It's going to be impact players, uh, mm-hmm. players that uh, we're going to have one offense, one defense, and one rookie for each team that we think is going to take either the biggest step forward or be the biggest impact player for that team that's going to make that team uh, better. So uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, that's going to be a good time. So we'll we'll see uh, uh, how that goes when Boots gets back. We're going to go over that. We're getting right down to the nitty-gritty, folks. The season is right around the corner, so I hope everybody's excited. Uh, So, I want to get started here. Uh, Alex, let's talk about the best offense. Okay, we're going to go in generalities here. You know, we're we're going to start in general. I want to start with the best offense in the league. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the offense in the league this upcoming year there, there's a lot of high-powered offenses uh the and and this has become a very offensive type of league yeah uh, and i don't want to to uh toot my own horn or toot my team's own horn or be flexing my homerism but after last season i think that it it can be uh probably foretold argued uh, yeah Yep, I, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings as the best offense in the league. I think that the pass, the, the passing game is outrageous over there. You got three great receivers: Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne. Uh, you got now Jordan Addison over there from USC, and now we're talking about TJ Hawkinson as well, who's who's probably in line for a big extension. You know, Kirk Cousins. Imagine having him if if they had Hawkinson last year. Now Hawkinson got traded at the deadline last year. Now. Yeah. And Hawkinson was such a huge piece of that Vikings offense for the rest of the season. Imagine what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins having TJ Hawkinson for a full off season. And imagine what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins having TJ Hawkinson, um, you know, for a full year. Uh, mm-hmm. Had remarkable numbers for the Vikings uh, last year. And I'm, I'm here for it. I think it's, it's going to be a very special thing for Minnesota to have all those targets. The Vikings had that pass first offense. Um, I don't know that Alexander Madison is set to be the best running back that they could have chosen in this situation. Frankly, I think they should be going out on the running back market and finding one, but I am 100% on board that this team will have the most high powered offense in the league. And uh, yeah, I'm going Minnesota Vikings. Okay. I mean, it's a solid argument. 
You know, they definitely have the players uh, to put that together. Justin Jefferson uh, is definitely one of the best receivers in the league, yeah. you know, and KJ Osborne really stepped up for them last year. But if, if we're going to, if we're going to talk about best offense, my argument is the, once again, the Philadelphia Eagles, Really, you know, I think, I think Jalen hurts, uh, AJ Brown and, uh, Devonte Smith are, you know, it's a very effective one, two punch plus Jalen hurts has his legs, you know, and he, he just got, you know, Jalen hurts just got his big contract extension, you know, and the Eagles, you know, combined with their mo- one of the most formidable defenses in the league, you know, I, I see that I can totally see, you know, the Eagles, you know, having the be- one of the best, you know, one of the best offenses in the league, you know, you know, it's surprising that neither one of us mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs, but when you really sit down and think about it, the Kansas City Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes and Travis, Travis Kelsey. And that's about I mean, it. That's about it. Granted, it's it's one of it's the most potent combination in the NFL, but you kind of have to have other parts to really, you know, build your offense up. If Travis Kelsey like like blew out his ACL, Chiefs fans will be mashing the panic button like crazy. Yeah, be you know, yeah, and you know Patrick Mahomes can only do Patrick Mahomes things for so long. Granted, they have Kadarius Tony. Granted, they have Isaiah Pacheco at running back. But if I'm sitting here really looking at it, you know, like. If you if you're not wearing the 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 Patrick Mahomes beer goggles, you know then then it's like okay I'm gonna go with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that I think their offense was very prolific last year. You know they were within a field goal of the Super Bowl. They were within a field goal of the Detroit Lions when they started. And granted, most of that was just Jalen Hurts running all over the Lions' crappy run defense at the time. You know obviously the Lions have improved. But, you know, but as far as best offense goes, I'm going to go with the Eagles. You know, I think a lot of us aren't mentioning the Chiefs because, like you said, Travis Kelsey is about it. Um, you know, you have Darius Tony over there who's, who's a good receiver and proved his worth. But, you know, like if you look at, at the Chiefs, they have a lot of really solid role players over there. And then it's Patty Mahomes. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's Patty Mahomes show and then it's everybody else. And I think that's kind of, um, you know, what we're dealing with there. I, I really do think that, that, um, uh, Patrick Mahomes is, is he's the story, you yeah. know, it's him and Kelsey and that's about it. So, I mean, as far as best offense goes, you know, I, I don't even know that the chiefs are in the discussion and, and especially if Pat Mahomes goes down. Oh, yeah. That's why I think they, they don't really have a lot of superstars over there outside of Kelsey and Mahomes, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's all they really got. Um, they have a lot of really good offensive linemen. They protect, mm-hmm. They protect Patrick Mahomes quite a bit, but um, yeah, I, I think that that's going to make for an interesting situation. Uh, best defense. Let's talk about this best defense situation. Uh, initially, <clears throat> I was looking and saying San Francisco all day, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't think anybody would blame me there. But now we've got this Nick Bosa situation happening. You've got injuries going on. There's a lot of factors. Uh, mm-hmm best defense goes. Um, and, and I was thinking about this long and hard. I, I really, this one was a little tough, uh, to be honest with you, because, you know, we, we talk about the Cowboys and we talk about the Patriots. I'm going to go in a completely different route here. 
Mm-hmm. I am going, and you're going to love this. I am going with the Detroit Football Lions, who have the best defense this year. I am the more I look oh. at them on paper, uh, the more I I see their corners that they have. The, the I mean, and I I mean, the the safeties they have, their their secondary has become super powered. Uh, their offensive or their defensive line, rather, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously the leader there, but you still have Rodriguez over there. The Lions have a scary, and now you got Jack Campbell as a linebacker over there, who's great at sniffing out a lot of those um, uh, those little short routes and 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 uh, those checkdowns. He's he's really solid. The screen plays, he's really good at sniffing that stuff out, making plays, making good tackles. He's an effective tackler. He's a leader on the field. Uh, yeah, I, I I think the Detroit Lions are being undersold as far as how good their defense is and it is going to be. And mm-hmm. people should, uh, um, you know, be weary of, of the yeah. Lions. People need to be scared. A lot of these other teams need to go, oh, boy, what's mm-hmm. going on with the Lions? Um, I'm going with the Detroit Lions as the best defense. That is a very bold pick. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And, yes, as a Lions fan, you know, I'm definitely uh, – I expect great things from this defense because, as we told, as we said – one of the, the Lions last year had statistically one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So if they can go from worst to best in a year, talk about turning things around. I mean, you thought the nine and eight season was one thing. This is another. But, uh, you know, I, I, I took off my Homer glasses for this one. I really wanted to sit down and think because, you know, again, you know, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson, you know, had like a, you know, he went down, but thank goodness it wasn't anything major. You know, you do have Hutch, you do have Rodriguez, you do have Jack Campbell. Uh, but if I'm going to sit here and I'll think, okay, who else would be the best defense in the NFL? The, the direction I chose to go in the New York football jets here's and the major, you already know one of the major reasons why I went this way. I know exactly. Sauce- Sauce Gardner. <laughs> yep. The sauce boss, yep. you know, he having not being not only the defensive rookie of the year, but one of the best defensive players in the league period. Right. And he's poised and he's poised to probably have a repeat year as one of the best defensive players of the year. You know, I really think that, you know, and you know, there's, there are other factors to consider as well. But I think, you know, when I, I really, really sat down, I really thought about, you know, something I'm just going to, it's unexpected, you know, it, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking the Jets, you know, with their additions with Sauce Gardner at the helm, you know, they will probably have the best, def, you know, one of the, the best defense in the AFC East without question, but I'm going to be bold. We're going bold here. I'm going with the Jets. Right, right. Um, wow. Hey, you know what? We we both went bold there. I don't think a lot of people are looking at the Jets as far as a defensive perspective uh, as being one of the top uh, defenses. I think people need to be paying attention to them more. Um, I'm, I'm 100% on board with you there. Now, moving forward, the interceptions leader, speaking of defense, interceptions leader is kind of interesting. Um, originally, I thought Jalen Ramsey all day. Oh, I yeah. thought Jalen Ramsey was was definitely um, 
you know, going to have a, an outstanding year over there with, uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Now we know Jalen Ramsey isn't going to be there. So we have questions. And you see, a lot of people would be looking, oh, what about Sauce Gardner? Uh, and Sauce Gardner, I don't think, really pulls up a lot of interceptions as much as he does shut down, you know, as a corner. Shut guys down. Yep, shut down people, people just don't throw to him, period. Right. To me, I think it's going to be Patrick Sertain from the Denver Broncos, the corner. Uh, Pat Sertain's a, a really, really good, um, really good corner. And, uh, you know, he's he was a shutdown corner quietly last year. He was one of the best corners in the league. Um, him and Sauce Gardner uh, uh, were both battling, basically, for the number one spot of who the, who the best corner was going to be. And uh, Sauce Gardner obviously won, won that battle. But Pat Sertain's a very good shutdown corner, and uh, he's a ball hawk. I like Pat Sertain a lot. I, I'm going with Pat Sertain here as the interceptions leader with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, yep. So, full disclosure, you know, I, I originally pegged Sauce Gardner as the interceptions leader, but you made a very good point. It, it's really hard to rack up interceptions when you're not being thrown to in the first place. And if Sauce Gardner, and if the Sauce Gardner is going to be the second coming of Revis Island, which I've said before on this show, you know, then it's like, okay, if if we're really going to be talking about interceptions, you're going to be talking about guys that do get thrown to or have the propensity to cut off a route and and catch the ball, you know, as it's coming into their field of view. I have two names. Uh, I went. I <laughs> I'm going bold with this first name, Kirby Joseph. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, because I mean, like you said, you know, the, that line secondary needs to be looked at, needs to be put under a microscope. Now, I, you know, it, it, it may be far fetched to say Kirby Joseph will lead the league in interceptions. You know, it's but, not too far fetched. Last time we we saw one was Anthony Harris, and mm. he as a safety. You know, and and you don't see safeties lead the league in interceptions very often. But Anthony Harris, guys like Ed Reed, you know, they, these guys are ball hawks and they are interception monsters. So it would not surprise me one bit, especially with how Kirby Jokes had played last year. If mm-hmm. he was, you know, doing his ball hawking thing, especially with what we saw in Lambeau. I know you just mm-hmm. you, you just been jizzing your pants about that. Um, <laughs> you know, Kirby Joseph is a very, very good player as far as uh, ball hawking and whatnot. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was in that discussion. So um, I went ahead and, and, and picked up an alternative, and I don't know if he's still playing, but I believe he's still with the Eagles, Darius Slay. You know, yeah, kind of going, kind of, kind of going with that same Detroit Lions feel. But I mean, he's been a journeyman, journeyman uh, safety, journeyman defensive player. You know, and he's he's come up with the ball, you know, everywhere he's gone. You know, so he's proven time and again that he is he is a major commodity to any defense he's been on, and it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Darius Slay at the top of that list. Yeah, I, I like Darius Slay a lot. I, I know one thing that is for sure when it comes to Darius Slay is, um, uh, you know, he's dealing with Matt Patricia over there, and as, as <laughs> right defensive coordinator, and there's a lot of bad blood there and a the bad history, and they send Ugh. safe. They squashed everything. Uh, yeah, no, no uh, questions. So we'll we'll see how that turns out. Because I, th- I thought he was with the Eagles. Turns out he's with the Patriots. Oh, no, 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 no. Slay is with the Eagles. Patricia has come over to the Eagles. Oh that's, dear. Yep. Yeah, so that's oh boy. 
So we're going to see how that turns out. Uh, next up, we're going to go with the sack leader. Uh, uh, the sack leader in the coming season, you know, there, there's a lot of um, a lot of guys out there that, that could wind up being the, the sack leader. Um, defensive ends, obviously, are the ones that are going to, and, and a lot of edge rushers are going to wind up uh, being discussed. Uh, sack leader this year, in my opinion, however, I'm going to go ahead and just throw it out there, Micah Parsons. I'm going mm-hmm. Parsons from Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he is good for one thing and one thing only, and that is harassing quarterbacks and attacking the quarterback, attacking the passer, harassing them, getting beyond that offensive line. And yeah, I I think um, yeah, I'm going Micah Parsons here. I think he's one of the most prolific defensive players in the league. Uh, makes a lot of sense here. Solid choice. Solid choice. So I I, I came up with two names. One, you know. Uh, I was like, okay, I really am trying to really think who would, and I'm throwing darts at the wall too, but really who would lead sacks? You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking Aiden Hutchinson is poised to have a, a, a better year than he had last year. And he had a great year last year. I really think he steps up to the plate. He's got a couple, he's got some snaps under his boots, you know, and he, he has Malcolm Rodriguez on the other side, you know, that, you know, that rushing line is going to be scary. I also, but I also want to tip the hat. You know, he's one of the best defensive players in the league, Daniil Hunter. You know, he gets that bump in pay. You know, it might motivate him a little bit. And I think, you know, he he he. It would not be inconceivable to to suggest that Daniil Hunter could take the sack crown. Yeah, and and Daniil has always been good for double digit sacks. Um, I think Hutch. To be honest with you, I. I think Hutch is, is uh, all heart, but I don't know that he's going to have the athleticism to do it. I have questions about whether or not Aiden Hutchinson has that, that pure, God-given athleticism to become a sack leader and do the things mm-hmm. he's got to do. Uh, I, I think a lot of people look at him, and, and there's a lot of hype there. Um, I, and frankly, I, I understand the hype train about, about Aiden Hutchinson because of the fact that, that you know, everything that went on in Michigan and going to the playoffs and everybody gets excited. Here's the thing about Aiden Hutchinson. Um, the hype train was there. The man won defensive rookie of the year. He shouldn't have won defensive rookie of the year. Okay. He mm-hmm. shouldn't. Let's just be real. He, the, the, he got it because of the hype train. He didn't get it because he was the best defensive player that came onto that field. It was sauce Gardner. Yeah. Best defensive yeah player. I, I, I definitely agree with that assessment. And and also, by the way, another guy that was ranked above uh, uh, above Aiden Hutchinson, Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Baltimore, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, another one that, that should have been considered before Aiden Hutchinson. And I, like I said, I just I, I don't buy the hype train. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's, like that's understandable. You know, and and sometimes the hype train overpowers everything a little too much, and right. it's mm, kind of like that Jim Harbaugh voodoo magic. Right. It's, it's like, okay. Um, so, but yeah, I, I could see Daniel Hunter more than I could Aiden Hutchinson, but Hey, I understand uh, where you're headed there. Next up is the receiving leader, the, uh, uh, the receiving champion, you know, Cooper cup was it a few years ago. Last year was my boy, Justin Jefferson. And, uh, you know, it, I'm going a different route here, and I'm going to surprise some folks. I think Justin Jefferson's in line for a very good year, but he is not going to be your receiving champion this year. 
mm-hmm. with Garrett Wilson from the New York mm-hmm. Jets. I think that him and Aaron Rodgers have a rapport. And um, man, Garrett Wilson's a special player. He showed up last year. He's uh, had a, had an over thousand yard season, if I'm not mistaken. He he was a stud, and he was doing it with a very bad quarterback. Uh, mm. I'm telling you right now, I see this kid having big, big things coming his way. Aaron Rodgers is going to give him the year of his life. This is going to be a career year for Garrett Wilson with Aaron Rodgers under center. I'm going Garrett Wilson. That's a solid pick, and and for the re- and for the reasons you mentioned, uh, I went with Justin Jefferson. I went with the obvious. You know, I really think that he is poised to have you know yet another career year with with Kirk Cousins under center. Definitely one of the most prolific receivers in the league. You know, it's hard to argue the fact. Yeah. You know, Garrett Wilson's a solid pick. I'll give you that. I mean, I'm just, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I just think it's Justin Jefferson. There's just something about him. That's just, you know, otherworldly, you know, as, as much as, as much as he makes me nervous as a lions fan, uh, the, the, it cannot, his talent level cannot be denied. Yeah. The, the thing about Justin Jefferson and, and the reason I didn't go with him, it would have been it would have been very easy to go. Hey, just Justin Jefferson all day, you know. And and I wouldn't blame anybody for going that route. I look at our offense as one of those things where Kirk Cousins has so many targets. There is KJ Osborne, and there's Jordan Addison, and there's TJ Hawkinson, and there's Justin Jefferson. Jefferson and Hawkinson were the main two last year. I think they're going to be spreading the ball out a lot more. Mm. Um, between all those three targets, that that's what they're kind of looking to do. It's a very pass-heavy offense, and that, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just kind of look at, at this situation, and I go, all right, uh, is Justin Jefferson going to see the targets that he saw last year? I don't know. Th- these other receivers, they could open up the field like crazy for them. You know, we, who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they could open up the field for Justin Jefferson to, to have just – you know, could to break the receiving yardage record, and he almost did last year. He was on the on the, the cusp. Um, man, I just I think Jefferson's going to have himself a great year too. I just don't know that it's going to be receiving leader. And I look over at the New York Jets, and what I see is Aaron Rodgers. He's got a few of his guys over there, like Lazard and Cobb. But I also look over and I say, Garrett that, Wilson. Garrett Wilson is twice the receiver that Alan Lazard is. He's three times the receiver that the the ghost of Randall Cobb is. <laughs> you know, I, it's it's the reality. It's the truth. And I, I and they don't really have much of a tight end over there. Like like, there's questions. Mm-hmm. There's questions. I have a ton of questions. So I am um, I'm going with uh, uh, the Garrett Wilson situation based on the fact that we don't know what these guys are going to do. Uh, next up. Rushing leader. Uh, the rushing leader is going to be an interesting one this year because it's not very much of a running league. Yeah. Um, you know, I I had I struggled. Yeah, me too. Did I struggled very very hard with this one? Um, going through, if you if you looked at like the NFC West, you know, it, you know. Seattle, they're sharing carries over there between Kenny Walker and and Charbonnet. The Rams, Cam Akers, you just don't know what he's going to turn into. The the uh, uh, Cardinals, James Conner, eh, is he really going to be a rushing leader? Probably not. You know, mm-hmm. San, 
Francisco, I could see Christian McCaffrey potentially because of yep. the fact that they do have Brock Purdy over there. And yep. that's the route I went. I went Christian McCaffrey. And and a lot of a lot of it just comes down to, you know, what do they have? What do they have? I, I like Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy was very special last year. And, may, you know, he could wind up being a bum. He could wind up being great. I remember I said when Brock Purdy comes into the league, everybody needs to watch his Brock Purdy kid because he and, – and I was saying it. I thought he was going to get drafted way before Mr. Irrelevant, and he got signed in as Mr. Irrelevant. And I said everybody needs to watch that kid because, you know, he he deserves the opportunity. and He's going to be a good quarterback. And a lot of people said, eh, Scott's high. Well, Brock Purdy did turn out to be really good. I was 100% on point with him. I said it on this show. I said it, you know, multiple times that he was a guy that people needed to watch. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy turned out to have himself a pretty damn good year last year, given the circumstances. And and I, I think a lot of people overhyped him a little bit when it came to uh, uh, the things he accomplished. I don't think he accomplished. Everybody made him out to be like, you know, oh, he's the next Tom Brady or something. I don't think that's the case. He's not the next mm-hmm. Tom. He's not going to replicate that. But he's a very good quarterback. He's good. He's he's good. He he played good. He was a good game manager. He reminds me of Alex Smith a lot, just you know, minus the first round selection. You know, I mean, really, <laughs> the truth. Um so I I look over and I see I, I see Christian McCaffrey getting handed off the ball a lot. I think that they're gonna be utilizing him in a lot of different ways. Um both being passed to out of the backfield and in the running game, as long as Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy. And that will be the imperative thing for him is health. Mm-hmm. I think Christian McCaffrey is your rushing leader this year. I think he's going to be worth every penny that the Panthers initially paid him and that mm-hmm. the 49ers are now paying him. So yep. I'm going to McCaffrey. Yep. Solid pick again. And you know, like I, I struggled too. You know, I thought about, you know, because as we said, as we said, the running back market is starting to fall apart. You know, and it's it's becoming a pass-heavy league, but you know, it, it's still a fundamental strategy to run the ball and to set up play action. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's that I don't think that strategy is ever going to go away. No. Um, so I went with I had two names in mind. First name Dalvin Cook, Ooh. because you know, especially if he gets if he gets signed with the New York Jets. Now, granted. If if he's going to get past the ball more often than he's handed, then he won't be the rushing leader per se. Uh, which, but you know, still he's very he's an extremely prolific running back, and he could still get handed the rock as opposed to being passed it. So right. if you're really going to sit down and say, okay, who's going to get handed the rock and who's going to pound it? I went with Derrick Henry, Derrick. and here's why: because Derrick Henry really is the only option the Tennessee Titans have at offense. We have not a, not a starting quarterback, not an elite quarterback, Ryan Tannehill running the offense. And more often than not, they're just going to stuff the rock in Derrick Henry's hands, and Derrick Henry's going to try to do Derrick Henry things. Yeah. And if, if as long as he can stay healthy, you know, he has a legitimate shot at, at, at being the rushing leader, uh, having the most rushing yards, and pro- quite frankly, the most rushing touchdowns. You know, if they can, if they, if he can stay healthy and if he can, he can remain consistent. Uh, I, otherwise, you know, I'd, I, you know, yeah, th- those are the two names I had in mind. 
I also want to point out, uh, I had one other name in mind as well, and, and a guy that, that I think a lot of us are, are um, not thinking about enough, mm-hmm. and, and people need to consider him more and more, and that is B. John Robinson over there with, with mm-hmm. the Atlanta Falcons. Now he's get, you know, going to Arthur Smith. It was between him and Christian McCaffrey. And, yeah. and I, really do- I, was, I was thinking about B. John Robinson as well. I think Bijan's going to have himself an excellent, excellent year over there with that Arthur Smith system. He loves to run the football, and it it, it just makes a lot of sense. Bijan Robinson should be on everybody's radar um, moving forward. And uh, I'm I'm going to jump over this because I'm I'm going to jump over the passing leader right now. I want to jump into offensive rookie of the year because that takes me to my next point. Offensive rookie of the year, I'm going Bijan Robinson. I think he's going to have himself an excellent year in that Atlanta system. He's my offensive rookie of the year uh, moving forward. So I'm going Bijan. Okay. I had two choices. One was the obvious choice and one was an intuition pick. Mm -hmm. So the obvious choice that I went with was Bryce Young. And again, can he stay upright? Can his offensive line uh, not block his line of sight when trying to throw the ball? Uh, can Bryce Young be the mobile quarterback that he has proven to be? Yeah. You know, can he cross all those boxes? I he has the potential, and he definitely has the hype behind him. You know, he he has the pedigree, and he has the leadership capability. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, on top of that, but if we're gonna if we're gonna go away from the obvious, if we're really gonna start digging into the diamond in the rough, you know who I picked as offensive rookie of the year? Yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Ooh, I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I know. I know you. I know you're really high on Jackson Smith the Jigba. Yep. You, I, I thought that you felt he was one of the one of the more prolific receivers at Ohio State. Yes. You know what? Going over to the Seahawks, you know, you know, he's working with Geno Smith. You know, so it's like, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like you know what? This kid, you know, if you if you give him an opportunity to prove himself, I think he's going to have himself a, a really really good year with the Seahawks. And, you know, and again, we're going bold here. We're going real bold with, uh, you know, Jackson Smith, the Jigba Bijan Robinson makes a ton of sense for, yeah. for this, for this spot. But those are the two I went with. And, you know, I I'm leaning more Jackson Smith simply because who knows, there are a lot of question marks about Bryce young, but it makes sense to pick Bryce young, but I'm going with Jackson Smith. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is one of those players right now, especially on that Seattle offense. They're three deep over there. We haven't seen three deep since that Minnesota Vikings team of Randy Moss, Chris Carter, Jake Reed. You haven't seen that in a long, long time. They are three deep with three really great receivers over there. I think this is an excellent choice because you don't know which Tyler Lockett's going to show up. You don't know Mm -hmm. if Tyler Lockett's going to get hurt, which it seems like he does almost every year. Um, DK Metcalf had his share of injury issues as well. So, I mean, we're going to see uh, Smith and Jigba and also Smith and Jigba. And, and that was the reason I didn't pick him is Smith and Jigba did have a little bit of an injury history going into uh, this year's draft. Uh, the only other guy that was really on my radar was actually CJ Stroud as far as offense yeah. of the year. I, yeah. uh, Stroud, the only reason Stroud didn't get the nod is because he is playing for the Houston Texans. And I think that yeah. that team is going to take some time to get moving a little bit and get back on the right, right track. But I do think Stroud's their quarterback in the future. I think he changes a lot of things for them. So Stroud makes a lot of sense for me. Uh, so that's that. But that's why I'm I'm going to go ahead and roll with Bijan. I think he's 
He's in a better situation where he's going to be the bell cow back and he's going to be giving the ball a lot more. Arthur Smith knows what he's doing with running backs. This is a smart play. Um, moving backwards and heading into the passing leader discussion. Um, this, this one's uh, going to be a lot of fun because I think passing leader wise, you know, a lot of people are, are going to be looking toward Aaron Rodgers, for example, given what's going on with the New York Jets. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be looking toward, you know, maybe a Tua Tungavailoa. I am going in a an interesting route, but one that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going with my boy Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. and I think, look, we and I just got done talking about all the targets they have over there now. Four rock solid targets that they and and let's not forget. Alex Madison, even though I'm not a huge fan of Alexander Madison, um, he can still catch the ball to the backfield effectively. Okay. So I look at Kirk Cousins, past heavy offense, past first offense. This will be a, a career year for Kirk Cousins. I'm not going to call it a breakout year because he's already broken out. But I want to see a career year from Kirk Cousins. I, I'm talking 4,500 plus. I'm talking. 35 to 40 touchdowns. I'm talking in the discussion for MVP, you know, and and I don't know that he's going to get it, but in the discussion for sure, you know, I I think Kirk Cousins is going to have himself a a hell of a year over here on the offensive side. And and a big reason why I think the the Vikings are going to have the best offense in the league is because of him. Uh, I think he's much more accurate than everybody wants to give him credit for. I think he's more capable than a lot of people want to give him credit for. Um, I think he's going to be the passing leader this year. Um, do I think Kirk Cousins is going to go out and win you a Super Bowl? Fingers crossed. Uh, if you're a Vikings fan, we had that discussion, you know, on the last show, and I, I told Boots exactly what I thought. You know, he'll get you there. Is he going to win you one? And mm-hmm. I know that Kirk's capable of of winning one when once he gets to the show. We're going to find out. Yeah, but, when it comes to nut cutting time, that's the question. Right. That's that's going to be the question of the day. So. Kirk Cousins, um, I think he's in in line for a huge year this year. Frankly, I, I think he is in line for a huge year. Will the Vikings resign him after the season? Eh, probably not, unless he wins that MVP and gets him to a Super Bowl. I think the Vikings are moving on. But at the end of the day, you know, I think Kirk Cousins is in line to be the passing leader, given all of the weapons and all of the 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 things that they have going for them, the scheme, everything. I think Kirk Cousins winds up uh, becoming your passing leader this year. Mm-hmm. I went in a little different direction. I chose Derek Carr. I'm piggybacking off of your bold prediction. You said you said that Derek Carr was going to have a career bounce back year. Yes. You know, with the with the New Orleans Saints, and I think uh, there's merit to that. I sat down and thought about it. You know what? He makes sense. So I think Derek Carr is going to end up being, uh, you know, getting out of the horrible Josh McDaniel system, you know, working with, you know, he'll be a much better quarterback than uh, statuesque Andy Dalton, much better quarterback than Jameis Winston. You know, he'll have Chris Olave to work with the other prolific receiver from Ohio State, you know, and, you know, Taysom Hill might, you know, become a utility, a Swiss, a Swiss army player. And, you know, Takes really to me is Michael Thomas staying healthy on top yes. of it. 
And then yes. and we're having we're having this discussion about Derek Carr and the possibility of him being a, a passing yardage leader. Um, you know, Michael Thomas, let's not forget, you know, he hasn't been healthy for three years, okay? Mm-hmm. But years ago, we were having a discussion about a guy leading the league in receptions and yards, okay? This guy is capable. He might be the king of the slant route. You can call him whatever the fuck you want. At the end of the day, he is the kind of guy that, you know, you can really get behind if he's healthy. And if you mm-hmm. let's not forget, first two games of last season, guess what? He blew up the first two games yep. of the season last year before he got hurt again. Mm-hmm. He can stay healthy, which right now he's saying he's on the track to be 100%. Derek Carr, I could see it. If, mm-hmm. if, they have enough, if they have the receivers on the field, Olave and Thomas, that could yeah. be fun, and he could have a career resurgent. I like this pick. I think it's an interesting one. I think it's bold mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of it will hinge on the health, mm-hmm. on the health of Michael Thomas. I, I really that's think good. that's the case. Um, now, moving into defensive rookie of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the rookie selections were kind of interesting um, moving like from this NFL draft. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that that uh, a lot of teams were sort of, uh, uh, I guess they were kind of iffy on, on a lot of the defensive players. I don't think teams completely did their homework on a lot of them. Um, there were certain guys I wasn't a big fan of that were going in the, like, like the first round. Uh, you know, I think a few of them went too early. I think Jalen Carter went a little too late. I think that, you know, you, you look at Christian Gonzalez, who I didn't even think was a first rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there right. were a lot, a lot of questionable selections. OK, mm-hmm. but this one to me was pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. I think this one to me was very easy um, looking at at And, for example, uh, Will McDonald also shouldn't have been in the first round. The teams just didn't do their homework on defensive players. But mm-hmm. the guy that stands out to me and I talked about him a little bit earlier um, when I was talking about this Detroit Lions defense, I'm going Jack Campbell out of Iowa. Uh, I think he gets def- a defensive rookie of the year. Um, I, he is uh, a special linebacker. People don't give him enough credit. Uh, he's excellent. He's just excellent. And and people have to realize that this guy he he won the Butkus Award. You know, he's a leader. He's a good inside linebacker. He's good in coverage. He's good at sniffing out a, a, a small little. Um, uh, screen passes. He's good at sniffing out the quarterback. He's good at tackling running backs. This guy's good at just about everything. The only thing he really doesn't do well is attack the passer. That's it. He's not a pass rusher, and that's fine. He's an inside linebacker. He is one of the best inside linebackers I've seen come out of a draft in a long time. I like Jack Campbell a lot. I think he wins uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. I'm going Jack Campbell. That is very bold. Uh, again, two Lions players on your lists of, of year-end awards. Yep. Uh, I think we might have to go grab my bag of rock salt. Um, <laughs> but here's what I, okay, this one might sound a little obvious, and, I'm, and we're going to double dip here. Uh, not, you know, I not only will this man be the defensive rookie of the year, I feel he will be the defensive player of the year. Uh, you might know where I'm going with this. I am going with Will Anderson. Okay. Yeah. That's you know, a good I, you know out, out of the Houston Texans. I, I think 
based on the fact that they basically traded a farm to get to, to steal the number three pick and take Will Anderson right uh, right after C.J. Stroud, that one-two punch, I think that's one of the most prolific moves I've ever seen in draft history. You know, and so I really think that, like you said, the Texans are definitely not going to win an AFC South crown anytime soon. They're they're still taking the fire extinguisher to the dumpster, so to speak. But, you know, we're going bold here, you know, and I really think that, you know, the, the, the hype that this man has is justified. So, again, I'm double dipping. Not only is Will Anderson going to be the defensive rookie of the year, I argue that he's going to become the defensive player of the year. He's going to pull a sauce, in my opinion. So, yeah, that, yeah we want to talk about bold. We're, we're going bold here. Right, right. So you think he's going to be right up there. Uh, I think that's, that's, uh, that's bold as all hell. Um, my defensive player of the year, uh, a little less bold. Um, well, far less bold. I, I'm not even going to say a little. Far less bold than yours. I think mine is going to be very simple, very straightforward, very to the point. The Pittsburgh Steelers have him on their roster. It's T.J. Watt. I think he is on pace to be a stud uh, this upcoming year. He's an edge rusher. He's going to be popping the quarterbacks left and right. The Steelers are projected to take a huge step forward. I don't think it's going to be a step forward offensively as much as I think it's going to be a step forward defensively. T.J. Watt, when he's healthy, is just mm-hmm. as terrifying as J.J., okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. This man has been great for the Steelers, and they need to utilize him to his fullest. Um, he's a sack monster. He likes to go out there and, and beat the hell out of opposing running backs on top of it. Defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep, maybe he, we could possibly consider him for the sack leader. I didn't even think about that. Yep, yep. T.J. Watt, um, he, he's just been something else for them. And, uh, I, I love him as an edge rusher. I I'm fully with him. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, next up offensive player of the year. Uh, there's, um, a lot going on here. I think offensive player of the year, when we're talking about the offensive player of the year, this one to me is, um, probably going to be pretty cut and dry. I think a lot of people are, are very focused on Jamar Chase, which I honestly, I don't think it's the case. I don't don't think Jamar Chase is going to do it. I think he has a less of a a strong year than T Higgins. Okay. I think T Higgins is going to outperform him this year. So there's no, that's going to happen. Okay. But I firmly believe that the offensive player of the year is going to be Justin Jefferson. Um, I like Justin Jefferson a lot, and and there's no doubt in my mind the way the Minnesota Vikings use him, the way that they they push him, um, and with Kirk Cousins, who I've got as the passing leader this year, um, I, I think you're going to be talking about about uh, uh, Justin Jefferson getting the ball a lot more often. Um, this is this is going to be his year. I'm talking just it's going to be a big year for him. Justin Jefferson, Offensive Player of the Year. So, you know, just like Peyton to Marvin, uh, Kirk to, uh, Kirk to Justin. Yep. Yeah. I, I can, I can definitely see the parallels. It's a solid pick. I went with Travis Kelsey as the <laughs> offensive player of the year. There's no tight end in the league that is anywhere near the caliber of Travis Kelsey. I mean, we have always said it's Travis Kelsey and everybody else. 
Yeah. You know, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a, you know, a tight end in the league, you know, that has, first of all, you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Duh. Yeah. You know, uh, second of all, even if you didn't have trap, you know, okay. Okay. This is an interesting question. Then does, is Travis Kelsey the player that he is without Patrick Mahomes? And, and I, I think, think he is. Mm-hmm. I think he is. I, I really do. He, he showed up, you know, all those times when Patrick Mahomes went down with his knee injury or whatever the case, he showed up. With Alex Smith, too. Yeah, yeah, he showed up and he showed out every single time. It makes complete and total sense to me that, that uh, um, you know, Patty Mahomes is going to go out there and, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, that Patty Mahomes is going to go out there and make Travis Kelsey look good. But I think Travis Kelsey still makes quarterbacks look good in general. I mean mm-hmm. that role. It's like they, they what were they saying about about Tyreek Hill? I'll just throw it out there. Tyreek's out there somewhere, right? That's, <laughs> that's what Travis Kelsey has become. I think he mm-hmm. makes quarterbacks look good. Uh, so I could see it at him being offensive player of the year. Tight ends don't notoriously get considered a whole lot. This could be a first. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's that's bold, bold, bold. And last but not least, our league MVP, the most yep. valuable player. Um, lot to unpack here. Yep. So odds are, the odds makers are saying that it's going to be Joe Burrow this year, and and uh, I respectfully disagree with them. And mm. I respectfully because I like Joe Burrow a lot. I, I respectfully disagree. I'm going an interesting route. I think your league MVP, and it's going to throw everybody off, and they're going to go, what in the hell? Justin Herbert. Oh. He got a big contract this year. Uh, He deserved every bit of it. And then on top of it, he's got not one, not two, but three receivers at his disposal. People have to realize that Justin Herbert did well and still made the playoffs last year. In spite of not having Keenan Allen, not having Mike Williams on the field for significant amounts of time and being hurt, I mean, that whole year was a disaster for him. It was. It was a disaster. And then he came, he still comes out and still makes the playoffs. And still, now we've got Quentin Johnston over there. And I'm not super sold on Quentin Johnston, but one thing I do think is a guy like Justin Herbert can make Quentin Johnston look damn good. And, mm-hmm. and that's something he gets a big body target. And technically speaking, they're three deep over there. If Keenan Allen and Mike Williams can finally stay healthy. And if Quentin Johnston is out there and he's always seems to be healthy and he's big and he's nasty and he can, he can point the ball. And that's a lot of man to be running at you as fast as he runs. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I think Justin Herbert's going to make him look like a million dollars. I think Justin Herbert's going to be throwing the ball to Austin Eckler, Eckler a lot. I think you're going to see Justin Herbert show that he's worth every single penny that he got paid this offseason. I'm going Justin Herbert as the MVP. That is a very bold prediction, but it makes total sense. So obviously, I had two very obvious choices for mine. Uh, I'm going to go with the second choice first, Aaron Rodgers, and I accompanied that with a... <laughs> <laughs> Because let's face it, you know, <laughs> you know how much the NFL loves to gargle Aaron Rodgers' balls. Yep. You know, you hear it all the time. 
during the Sunday night primetime games, how the announcers just go, oh, you know, I would not be surprised if Aaron Rodgers was considered for MVP. But I, in the end, I went with, you know, where you know where I'm about to go with this. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's hard. I think it's pretty hard to argue that Patrick Mahomes, you know, if, if they came up with an MVP for a, for a decade or so, like for a specific decade, or like for the modern era, Patrick Mahomes is the is the greatest quarterback of the modern era right now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, no question about it. I mean, they got he's got the big ten year deal. You know, he's getting paid. You know, bucket loads and bucket loads and truckloads of money, and he's yeah. worth every penny. And he's only he's less than twenty five years. I think he's if he's twenty five years so this year, he's he's in his he's gonna he's almost in his prime. You know, that's the scary thing. He's yeah. almost in his prime. And that is almost. You say almost. I mean, he he still can't. Like I'm like, does it get better from here? <laughs> yeah. Can can it get better from here? And you know, <laughs> part of part of us is like thinking it better because if it doesn't get much better than this, and it's like, well, what kind? Then what are we doing here? He right. he, he it, then it becomes like a flash in the pan, which is kind of scary. But you know, the other scary part is you know he's this good now. What is he going to be like when he's at his prime? Right. Like, are we are we seeing the next Tom Brady here? Are we seeing the next Brett Favre? Are we seeing the next Peyton Manning here? Mm-hmm. You know, as the goat. You know, he'll be he'll be he's he'll be, is he going to be is he going to take Tom Brady's title as the goat? He's definitely the modern goat, mm-hmm. but yep. is he going to is he going to become the goat? Yeah. You know, and I think you know, so I think it's pretty hard to, to it, it, put it this way. Any conversation, any MVP conversation that doesn't have Patrick Mahomes in it is is being had by someone who's either drunk or high. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't have Patrick Mahomes in there, it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you don't you, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. And uh, those are our predictions for the awards, Alex. Uh, bold baby, we're going bold. Yep. yep. <laughs> we got to make a barbecue sauce that says we're going bold. Oh. <laughs> But folks, um, that's our show. Uh, before we take off, I want to I want to give uh, a few shout outs to a few of our wonderful businesses around. First and foremost, let's talk about books. Alex, I want to talk about this book. I ate cookies out of the trash by Tammy Pruitt. Um, you know, it's an inspirational guide. It's based on her real life experiences dealing with body image and, and eating issues. Uh, and she shapes this whole book about her struggles and and how to, with her struggles and how to overcome them supported with research-based facts and accompanied by her professional advice as a registered dietitian. Uh, she lets others know that they're not alone in struggling with self-love, body image, and disordered eating. This is an excellent read. Uh, I definitely recommend this book. Uh, you know, and, and you know, she it's real expert advice. She's giving us a glimpse of her struggles, and she keeps a firm connection with the equally troubling or adverse lives of her readers. I mean, it's it's good stuff. Um, and she's in a really unique position of having faced diet and weight troubles while being a registered dietitian. It gives her an unparalleled level of empathy for those who might be going through the same thing. I definitely recommend anybody who who uh, needs this book have a read. She is excellent. She's an excellent writer, and I've met her. She's an excellent human being. Tammy Pruitt, uh, I ate cookies out of the trash. Uh, check it out. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, you can get a paperback, or you can get it as a uh, um, a Kindle, or you get the hardcover. 
so you can find it right on Amazon, man. I, I found it on Amazon. So away you go. Uh, so I ate cookies out of the trash by Tammy Pruitt. Check it out. Also want to give a shout out to uh, Patch Miracle Photography, uh, one of the best photographers around. Andy is an excellent photographer. His wonderful wife, Chantel, is as well. Uh, man, if you're looking for any type of photos, graduation photos, if you're looking for uh, baby pictures, if you're looking for maternity pictures, if you're looking for wedding photos, if you're looking for engagement photos, anything of the sort, hell yeah, let's check it out. PatchMiraclePhotography.com. They do excellent, excellent work. The most professional grade photos you can find. Also, if you're looking for that sexy boudoir shoot for that special someone in your life, you need to contact Patch Miracle Photography. They'll take good care of you. Also, let's go give a shout out to uh, uh, the No Shot Bot over yep. there. It's a, the the rebrand over there with uh, what the form the artist formerly known as Big Willie Dubs Gaming. Um, you know, uh, Will is awesome at what he does. His uh, uh, his channel over there on TikTok has taken off, and it's uh, getting more and more exciting by the day. Um, check it out over at No Shot Bot. Uh, no Shot Bot TV is what I think is is what it's known as over there on the uh, the the old TikTok there. So <laughs> the TikToks. Yeah. So have a look over there. Also want to give a shout out to uh, Face Kicked Apparel dot com our boy sean stockmeyer doing excellent stuff all the custom t-shirts hoodies hats you name it he you pick it he sticks it over at facekickedapparel.com sean and his wonderful wife lisa they're getting orders out like crazy oh right? he, he's he's been an absolute machine this year it's it's abs it's insane that man is on the grind every time i see him i i just it's amazing to me that that he's able to uh accomplish as much as he's accomplishing Check it out, facekickedapparel.com. And I also want to give uh, Alex the floor here because uh, Steel Twins Gaming is uh, tearing it up over there with uh, a lot of this Ace Attorney stuff still. Yep. So uh, we're, on the, we're on the very last in-game episode of the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. I think we have about two, uh, two or th- three or four, depending on, uh, episodes left to record, and then we will be done with that game. It's definitely been a wild ride these past six months, you know, and we've enjoyed every second of it. Uh, I'm, I'm working on making shorts of our, of our favorite clips and moments. Uh, so you'll be able to see that on, on the YouTube channel, steel twins gaming. And as always every Wednesday night at 7 PM or thereabouts, seven or eight, depending, uh, voice acting every Wednesday night on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Also, uh, w- just a couple of heads ups on our, our next projects. Uh, after this one, uh, we're planning to play uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, a game that came out originally on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, so we'll be going through that ridiculous adventure. It'll be fun. And also, uh, we we found we had a very an exciting announce uh, announcement come from Capcom. Mm. Uh, there's a series of games called you know that focus on a character by the name of Apollo Justice. He had his own trilogy that is being ported to consoles, PS5, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch sometime in the year 2024. You know as well as I do that that will be a project of ours going into uh, when that game comes out and when we're done with our other project. So uh, we're definitely a lot on the docket, you know, and also I'm considering uh, putting in like a, another series where I just do a detective series. 
where I, I you know, there's a, there's a lot of detective games out there, uh, good ones. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know what? It would be fun if my brother and I just sat down and just tried to work through a detective game and try to solve things on our own without using guides or anything. You know, I've always been fascinated with that, with logic and reasoning. So right. that might be a, that might be a side project here in the future. But anyway, that's what's going on uh, with the cannonball and the cannon, as we call ourselves. Yeah, buddy. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been checking out your guys' stuff. I enjoy watching it. Obviously, when I get the opportunity, it's a good time making my, my smart ass little comments and having a good time. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm glad I get to do that. I'm glad that you guys are doing so well over there. And, folks, that's our show. Um, I hope everybody has themselves a, uh, a wonderful preseason start. You know, it's, yep. uh, the preseason games are underway officially after that Hall of Fame game. So yep. uh, that uh, is- week, week one of the preseason starts Thursday, August 10th, yep. uh, 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Um, you know, your Minnesota Vikings will actually be going up against the Seattle Seahawks that night. Yep. So uh, we'll be able to see, you'll be able to see the purple people eaters in, in full force that day. Uh, and the Houston Texans will take the field uh, at 7 p.m. that day. So plenty of things to be excited about. It's almost time for football. Yeah, it almost is. And I hope everybody's preparing for their fantasy football leagues as well. You know I am, Alex. I'm getting yep. everything ready and ready to go. Oh, oh yeah. <clears throat> so, Most wonderful time of the year. Absolutely. So, folks, thank you so much for listening. Um, and we will see you next time right here on the Outside Blitz. Ciao.